Welcome to Coffee Break on Unsafe Space. This is a show that we do every Monday and Friday live at 11 a.m. I hate YouTube's guts, and I assume that the problems with sound were some sort of live streaming problem on YouTube's end, but I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just software interaction on my end. I don't know. Anyway, welcome. It's almost 4th of July. Happy almost 4th of July. Carrie, I introduced you as the, the uh, what did I say? I don't even remember. No one knows because no one heard no me. No one knows. I think bedazzled Carrie, the bedazzled Carrie oh, Smith today, yeah, because you're I have bedazzled. Fourth of July uh, stuff on today, because we're not going to have a show tomorrow, so I figured put it on today. Um, but uh, happy Fourth of July, everyone! I I mentioned this, you know, we did a Fourth of July episode last year, and I think that was the first time I talked about how we read that awful social justice warrior guide to the Fourth of, to Independence Day about how to celebrate, and you know, which, <laughs> I remember which, that. Yeah. Remember that? Just should have been yeah. called like how to ruin everything and make the world as miserable as you or how to suck the fun out of everything. Um, I I said this in a post on social media, but I'll repeat it here. And I said it last year. When I was a social justice warrior, I didn't often celebrate the fourth. I would go to fireworks things once in a while or have drinks, you know, with friends. But uh, I was taught to hate the Independence Day. Like a lot of social justice warriors are taught to hate our country and we're taught a incomplete um, version of our history, uh, which focuses on the evil Racism. that happened. Yes, which happened here Racism. and which ha happened globally in a lot of places. But we don't focus on the things that our country specifically and uniquely did to overcome that evil and the things that we baked into our, our founding documents to progress us to a point where we could do things like in slavery and give women the right to vote and set an example for the rest of the world. And so we're not taught to uh, be grateful for those things. We're actually taught to look down our nose at our founding fathers and look down our nose at our founding documents and, and the concepts of individuality and personal liberty that they baked into um, our origins. So yeah, I, it's new for me to celebrate the fourth, and I just happened. I like celebrating holidays. Halloween used to be my favorite. I don't know which is my favorite anymore, but uh, so yeah, I get decked out. Somebody, no, said you I know what, like Carrie? A I've never been. Obviously, I've never been a social justice warrior. I was never on that side. Um, but I, uh, even I, because I was more on the minarchist. Like I was libertarian slash minarchist for a while, and now now I'm a voluntarist. But basically, they're all very very similar. And there's a sentiment in those communities as well of looking at the, the United States at what it's become today and what the, 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 the largesse of government and the oppression of government and the endless wars and all the bad things about government and saying, screw the U.S. Um, and yeah. not really wanting to uh, celebrate the 4th of July either. And my attitude on that has changed because I don't – the 4th of July, Independence Day is not a celebration of the current state of the United States it's not a celebration of our politicians today. It's not a celebration of where we are. It's a celebration of actually not even the U.S. It's 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 the Declaration of Independence. It's a celebration of declaration of war on the king to like shrug off tyranny. So it's it's a celebration of the principles upon which the foundation upon which the country was founded. And when I think about it like that, uh. It's actually probably the most inspiring and best holiday that I can think of to have in a yeah. country. So um, it's a great you, holiday. 
Well, you have inspired me because I am going to read, like you read portions of the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, and the Bill of Rights. I'm going to read some of those tomorrow, and it'll be the first time I've done that. But, but like bringing a bit of seriousness to the holiday or a bit yeah. of, It doesn't have to yeah. ruin your marshmallows and hot dogs, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, my family... I uh, didn't want to read the whole Constitution. I tried last year. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, you can read the Declaration of Independence. That's maybe a good one. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, you should know what you're celebrating. I mean, for those of you who are Christian in the audience, uh, how do you feel about people who celebrate Christmas and don't give any acknowledgement of Christ? Right? It seems like it's kind of, you're not really celebrating Christmas. It's... You know, I the reason for the season is what people say, right? Um, so, yeah, Fourth of July is not about fireworks. Um, it's about although the fireworks are fun. Although, yeah, I'm a pyro oh, myself, so the fireworks are great. Go shoot stuff, blow stuff up, do whatever you can. If you if you're in an area where you heck you can get tannite, uh, go do that. And also, Carrie, look behind Carrie right now. I'm putting her on screen. Oh, you guys! <laughs> she has a magical unsafe space icon behind her. I should have done the flag here, but I was so excited. I found my old light bright. This is from the eighties. It still works. It was in my parents' attic. But uh, light bright was an awesome yeah. thing. Yeah, I love. There's so many great toys from the eighties. Um, but let me do a couple super chats because we just had a large one, and I want to get to it. Um, oh wow! It's Thank you guys. So, let's start with Thank Blackbeard. You. Blackbeard gave us a super chat for four ninety nine, saying I unsubscribed because Carter's silence was violence to me. <laughs> Actually, you know what, Blackbeard? Someone did unsubscribe this week, and I'm going to talk about it because uh, I caused someone to unsubscribe, and, and um, I, uh, it's an interesting lesson. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that, and I'll try not to be rude. Um, Ken Libson said, uh, thank you, Ken. Ken says, happy 4th of July to Carter, Carey, and all the unsafers. Uh, I think, I think technically, you, Ken, Ken, they are un unpeopled. They're unpeopled. Unpersons? Unpersons. But yes, all the unsafe spacers. Uh, and the large super chat that is unusually large that caught my eye uh, is Judge Lot, who actually is a new subscriber to our channel. So thank you, Judge. Judge says, he gave us 100 bucks, and he says, wow, I've been Judge, consuming alternative anti-left media for about 10 years now. It can sometimes get a little stale. That's true. Uh, I discovered unsafe space about two months ago. You guys are an absolute breath of fresh air. Thank you. Oh. Well, thank you, Judge. We we love you guys, and um, we really appreciate the support. And uh, one thing that we try and avoid on this show, and I we look, no one's perfect. We probably get caught up in this. We try and avoid falling into one narrative camp or the other because whenever there's an event that happens, there's a lot of like, oh, the mainstream narrative is this, and the narrative on the right is blah blah blah. And um, sometimes the narrative on one side is is correct, like the counter narrative is correct. Rarely is the mainstream narrative correct. Often the counter narrative is actually correct, um, but sometimes it's not, and it's good to, to to pay attention. So I'm sure you'll catch us doing that by mistake. But that's actually a segue to something. Can I talk about something, Carrie, about this uh, this past week? And it's the last time I'm going to mention the St. Louis couple, but I want to just talk about it in a kind of a different context. I know you're. I know. Okay. Okay. Because uh, it's a segue to this. Um, <laughs> okay. Because we lost, we actually lost a subscriber. Someone unsubscribed because of what I said, and I don't feel bad about it. I, uh, I'm going to use it as, and I wouldn't change what I said. So I guess you know, say la vie. But um, I, 
this is an example, I think, of people getting caught up in narratives. So on the left, there's this narrative that the couple had no right to do what they were doing. They were crazy, blah, blah, blah. And on the right, the counter narrative was that's the right thing to do. And I tried to walk down a nuanced line and that got crap thrown at me <laughs> because people assumed that because I wasn't adopting the that was a great idea strategy that I they they made up a bunch of things that I was saying. And one of the people and that one of the, the person that subscriber we lost, I, I, I made a cat. So I've been looking at YouTube comments about this and I've and I looked at the subscribers' comments and other stuff. There's a category of of, of responses. I, I counted four five, five different types of responses to this. And they all represent to me, and I'm gonna be harsh about this, horrible listening comprehension skills. Just abhorrent listening comprehension skills. And uh and, and the categories were, um, one of the categories was, uh, <laughs> what were they supposed to do? Let the mob attack them, hide in the basement? Uh, and my answer to that is, you're making shit up about what I said. No, that's not what they're supposed to do. That's called the straw man argument. I didn't say that. It's brain dead to say that back to me, and it's infuriating. Um, I didn't even imply that. So when you ask what they were supposed to do, I didn't get into what they were supposed to do because I don't want to be giving tactical advice on the show. But what were they supposed to do? I outlined they were supposed to have a plan first to start with. That plan could include de-escalation. It could include aggressive use of force. It could include actual defense. It could include retreat. Maybe retreat as a last option. If other things fail, maybe not retreat at all. I don't know. But a plan, that's what they could do. While they're executing the plan, uh, they could have practiced good gun safety so that they weren't covering each other with their muzzle. She could have not had, I don't know if you know what sympathetic muscle response is, but her finger was on the trigger while she was yelling at a crowd. Any, like, a loud bang might have startled her and she could have shot someone, thus escalating the situation unnecessarily, perhaps risking their lives. That was dumb. Good muzzle discipline and good trigger control are important. They could have made use of cover. They had they didn't have to expose themselves unnecessarily. Outside their house, they had concrete barriers. They had a concrete fence they could have done. If they wanted to do a shock and awe plan, that's their thing, but they didn't do an effective shock and awe plan. They got out there unprotected and yelled around with their finger on the trigger. It not in a, and they didn't they looked actually more scared and angry than they did competent and scary. They could have worked as a team. One person could have handled the yeah. communication. Uh, the other person could have got stuff. Like, there's a lot of stuff they could have. I'll Did stop for this. But yeah, we have to the whole thing. We already I had know. this argument. And and well, I, I didn't don't... explain what they could have done. So I'm just. My point is. Okay. My point is when you when your response is what else could they have done? You're you're you are revealing your own ignorance. There are plenty of other things they could have done. Me saying that doesn't mean I think they should have hidden the basement. So the second category of things was they were justified and they did. That was the second category of comments. Hey, they were justified. Yeah, no shit. No one's saying they weren't justified. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about justification. We're talking about execution of plans. The third, the third category was this escape plans are, you can't just have an escape plan. No one said you should just have an escape plan. I don't know who you're talking to. Uh, the fourth category of response was you have to stand and fight. Don't be a pussy, basically. Sure, stand and fight. Uh, but if you're going to fight, learn how to fight. That's my point. And the, and, the, and the last one, which is really not a listening comprehension thing, but just a reasoning problem, is a lot of people saying, it worked, therefore it was a good idea. Um, that's just dumb. That's not how statistics work. Uh, you don't look at, you know, smart people don't look at Yao Ming and conclude that China is full of tall basketball players. That's not how that works. <laughs> yeah, it worked. Lucky. Good for them. I'm glad it worked out. I'm glad they're not dead. But uh, 
you look at statistically what will work and you you recommend courses of action based on what's most likely to work, not on what happened to work the last time. You run that scenario a thousand times and it made it played out differently many of those times. So I'm gonna be done talking about it. I know you don't wanna talk about it, but I was pissed off because I'm tired of ignorant people reading into stuff I said, reacting to straw man arguments and acting like they know what they're talking about when in fact they do not and they're not even listening to my words. So I'm gonna be done with the St. Louis thing. It's over. We are going to have a discussions about defense and stuff later with experts, which I've already said. We'll do that later. I'm done. I can't get over it. Your emotion has just pushed a lot of my emotion now. That's all. I just, I just don't. Yeah, whatever. Um, I don't have, I don't want to have rehash all this, but I don't have the same problem with what they did. And I, I agree. I thought we came to a point already where we agreed to disagree on some things, but like, and I agree that what they were doing wasn't tactically sound and they had their, she had her finger on a trigger and other stupid things, but at least they did try to do something. But I'm not disagreeing with you. That's what okay. I said. I, my criticism okay. was of their tactics. So to yell back at me and saying, I disagree, oh, God. only so their tactics are a problem. Like so that's the problem. Yell, and then I'm not, I, can we talk about something else? We've already done two videos on this. All right. All right. I, I, all. I just don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand how you can say you disagree. It's only a tactical problem. When my entire point is it's only a tactical problem. You start that sentence with, I agree. It's only a tactical problem. That's, that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. People don't want to be yelled at, someone said. Yes, I don't like being yelled at, and I don't think people in the audience like being yelled at. And I'm not yelling at anyone in the audience today. I'm yelling at I'm yelling at the the I'm, and I'm actually I'm not even really yelling. I'm explaining why those kind of comments don't make sense. That's what I'm explaining. Um, I don't think I'm yelling. Okay. You guys can tell me if I was yelling. We can move on. I actually am also tired of the topic, so we can move on. Uh, <sighs> You pick a topic, Carrie. You go because there's a bunch of stuff to talk no, about. No, I don't have any spark right now. I killed anything. your spark. <laughs> you totally killed my spark. Uh, all right, wait. We'll move myself. to some super. Ch we'll move to some super chats. Maybe this will re-inspire you. Is that is that a good idea? Sure. All right. We'll Thank you guys for the super chats. <laughs> Carrie is frustrated with me today. Maybe you guys are too. I, you know what? I'm frustrated sometimes myself. Okay. <laughs> 2A Defense Law says, streaming you guys on a car trip to Wisconsin to buy fireworks to bring back to Minnesota. Oops, the legal, yeah. Uh, I'm sure it's totally legal. It's constitutional. Uh, so good for you. Um, I don't know. When I was growing up, a lot of states, you could have fireworks, but I feel like the law has changed a lot now. Here in California, we have, for the past like month, we hear, like, we go to sleep hearing fireworks all over the place. And, uh, I assume it's that like people have a stockpile for Fourth of July, but also the George Floyd protest stuff. But I don't know. Um, all right, super chat. Thank you, Keith. Keith says Keith the Hat guy says regarding the Constitution took me thirty minutes last July Fourth. Twenty seven amendments is fifteen minutes. Declaration is twelve minutes. One hour plus two cups of tea to read all three. <laughs> all right, so you're making a case for that we should uh, buckle down and read uh, the documents, Keith. Uh, I think. You've sufficiently humiliated, humiliated those of us who can't make it through all, <laughs> can't put the time aside to do it. Ah. All right. Carrie, do you have any spark now or no? <laughs> no, I'm working on it. You're still working on your spark? Uh, yeah. Hey, okay. so can I could bring we something talk else about, up? yeah, can we talk about something that's 
related to everything that's going on around us right now that I think is much more important than I, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll stop being dismissive of your. No, that's but, fine. You're probably not alone in your <laughs> reaction to me. Yeah. So. <laughs> so there's just bigger fish to fry. Like that's what I'm like. Absolutely, we have bigger there are. things to yeah. talk about. Okay, there's let's talk about things. them. Great. Okay. Okay. So, I had to get it so, off my chest. I was annoyed. Go. Okay. Talk about bigger things. God, save that for the end when I can leave. I'm kidding. Jesus okay. Christ. <laughs> You're okay. harsh today. You are vicious I today. Am. Go. 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 Do your thing. So. I just, I want to talk about what, you know, I was feeling pretty uh, brokenhearted the past couple of days because there've been lots of people who've been contacting me, mm. well, for the past couple of years since we've started doing this show, but specifically in the past month, there's been a lot more messages from people, most of them liberals, um, fellow liberals, who some of them I've talked about on the show already, they want... They want to advice. They they feel compelled to speak up against this illiberal authoritarianism that's induct that's basically everywhere now. That's become dominant in the mainstream. Um, but another portion of these people are parents who are dealing with their kids who being indoctrinated and who fear losing their kids or have already lost their kids to some degree, and they're looking for advice and they're asking for advice from me on how I left the belief system. They're asking for, like, they're desperate. They want resources on how to combat this because what their their kids are speaking all the woke speak, woke speak. It is very much like a cult. And I just feel for these parents because there's nothing out there for them. Like, there's nothing that currently exists that shows them how to lead their kids out of this specific kind of cult. So I, I put out a call, like, to people. I was like, if you know parents who've dealt with this, if you know parents who have been through this with their kids and come out on the other side, then I want to hear from you. And if you know anyone who's developing resources from parents, I want to hear from you. And I want to say this on the show, too, because I know there's lots of parents who watch the show who um, and people in our Telegram chat who are going through this. And, um, you know, I messaged James Lindsay because he does a great job on uh, with his website, New Discourses, and, and he has a great interview out on Joe Rogan, if you guys haven't seen it, where he's talking about this ideology. And he gives a lot of tools on understanding what the ideology is, but I was like, is there anything that you know of specifically geared to parents to help them deal with it? And he doesn't know of anything yet. Um, I, think that's a, I think your call to parents is a great idea because uh, um, it's non-obvious. It's not, I don't, I don't think it's something yeah. that you can like, I, I don't know that, like, I I would imagine it would be difficult for James, Lin I mean, maybe he'll have some great insights because he's a smart guy and he really understands this stuff super well, um, so obviously we, we'll have him on again, but, uh, I mean, Kara, yeah. you've, you've said before, you've said before that it was, um, you needed emotional reasons to question and, 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 you know, you've talked extensively. You introduced me to the concept of the elephant in the rider, and then I read the book that you recommended, the Jonathan Haidt book. Um, you've got to—it's it's an elephant problem, not a rider problem, right? And, uh, it's an elephant problem. I, I don't know—I don't know how to solve that problem. So and, can I read you something inspiring real quick? Yeah, if you got something. Some Somebody did reach out to me. Okay. Uh, now, this is an adult son. He's in his late 20s. So this was his story. And I just, this is, I thought was very inspiring. And this is what I think is, the, 
whoever writes this or, or comes up with this resource, this is what I think is at the root of what they need to tell parents. And this is what I've been trying to tell parents individually. He says, I came back from my first year of college back in 2013, and I spent maybe half the summer in my dad's home. For background, he's white, mostly English ancestry, and my mom is of Filipino ancestry. I was pretty disengaged with politics until I got to college, and in that first year, I started my transition. When I got home, the Trayvon Martin case was major news on TV, and that fully radicalized me. That summer involved yelling at my dad, even in public, calling him a racist and so on. I said a lot of nasty stuff to him. My dad's always modeled calmness and unconditional love to me, and he continued to in spite of my behavior. He reached out to me over messaging and said he wanted to continue this dialogue and learn from what I had to share. He always responded with facts when he was able, and he wouldn't back down when I said things which were not factual. His knowledge forced me to privately try to come up with stronger arguments for my beliefs. He was always calm while I was emotionally out of control, and I never for a moment felt like he would not want to talk to me anymore or that he didn't love me. He had sympathy for my outbursts, even though he disagreed with the content. He's actually very used to dealing with individuals yelling at him and doesn't run away from it, but calmly engages. He was patient, too. If he were pushy, I think I would have responded even worse. But instead, he invited me to try to push him. I think at bottom, he loved me and cared more about maintaining a relationship with me, even if it was me yelling at him, than with convincing me of anything in particular. Because I had these kinds of connections with non-SJW longtime friends and family who continued to reach out to me, I think it kept me somewhat sane. I experienced that my long-time connections were based in something deeper than belief or politics. In the end, the best thing I did was live outside the country for several years and unplug from social media. The ideology was only just starting to globalize then. I didn't know. I don't know how it is now, but at that time, it just wasn't common internationally yet. So he goes on, but he says, uh, maybe I would have never abandoned the movement, uh, but I think my dad would have continued connecting with me regardless and would have continued modeling calmness and love. So I think I think that's very inspiring because that's kind of what I think the answer is. Well, he's speaking to the elephant, right? It's the, it's the, the dad is not, he's not Ben Shapiroing the guy, right? He's, mm -hmm. he's speaking to his elephant. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, as a parent, um, I guess, it, I guess it could be difficult, but you do have that foundation of just loving your kid. And so, um, maybe remember to do that, uh, and just and speak to the elephant, how to speak to the elephant. I don't know. I mean, he sounds pretty, the dad sounds just pretty, um, patient and passive, right? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so that might be difficult for people who are yearning to have that connection back with their kid. Cause that could, that could take a long time. Um, but it could ultimately work and it probably won't drive the kid away as much. Um, I don't know. I mean, if you, yeah. it, you don't have to, I, this is, again, this is one of these reasons why I am adamantly against going to college unless you absolutely need to, like, you don't need to send your kids to college. So, uh, because college nowadays, they, especially if it's not for something very specific, like science related, or like, I'm going to go learn engineering, right? Um, 
it comes with a cost. And that cost is not just the mortgage that many people have to take out on their house, the second mortgage or whatever, uh, which is a ridiculous and uh, unworthy cost, but it also comes with the cost of potential corruption of, uh, it's indoctrination. It's you're, you're paying, you know, instead of, instead of begrudgingly saying goodbye when they join the Jim Jones cult, you're paying $50,000 a year to Jim Jones, right? Yeah, uh, that's, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and you think that, you know, I think a lot of parents, we've talked about this before, a lot of parents think about what, how college was important when they were young, what they got out of college, they feel like they need to do right by their kid, and, and if they don't send them to college, they're somehow failing them as parents and preparing them for life, and I understand that sentiment. Even I, as my daughter gets older, she's like, oh, maybe she should go to college. Right? I mean, there's that part of me that's like, I want her to go learn and have the best experience and be able to uh, do whatever she wants. But the truth is that college is is toxic. And for most things, yes, if you need to be a doctor, then you need to have a degree. Yeah. But for a lot of things, you don't need to go to college. And, um, and actually, the uh, I was actually just talking to someone else recently about this who used to be more in the, the person who hires people, uh, used to be more in the camp of caring about where people went. And and even this person was like, yeah, I don't really care about that anymore. It seems like kids from Stanford or MIT are just as dumb as kids from the state or, or like, the, or whatever, didn't go. Like it matters what they did and what they know. And like, it, it matters, their, 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 their productivity matters. What they've done matters, not where they went to college. And, and that is starting to be coming more of a thing. Is it a strike against them if they, they run into an employer who wants a degree from Stanford? Yeah, but wouldn't you rather have them have a little bit of a difficulty finding a job later on and have their critical thinking apparatus intact rather than <laughs> it's very easy for them to find a job, but they're yeah. a rabid, foaming-at-the-mouth social justice warrior who hates you? I mean, those are the <laughs> options that you've got, right? So I, I think... That doesn't help parents who've already lost their kids, but it, you know, there's a lot of people whose kids, you know, you're going to cause this problem. And I'm going to just want to warn the parents now, you're, you know, prophylactic solutions are, are easier than fixing it after the fact. And you are going to cause this problem. If you send your kid off to get a degree in sociology, you shouldn't complain that they are now social justice warriors and hate your guts. Like that's, what did you expect? Uh, you you yeah. got to not do that. So, um, you know, you've got to, it's hard to do that as a parent, uh, to say no, but you've got to say no. Um, yeah. and then I, I, you know, I love this idea of calling out to parents who've dealt with this. Maybe, maybe someone has found some ways to get through to people emotionally. Yes. So, and that's, yeah, yeah, if I want to do this show. So if you guys yeah. know parents who've dealt with it, who are willing to do a show with us and talk to us about, um, what worked for them or the adult children of, of who went through the yes. woke cult and left, you know, my story is, is, and I found this with other people who left the cult. It's hard. There's no magic solution or roadmap, you know, in my case. And I think this is in the case, this is true for a lot of people who left it. Um, it coincided with me with a personal transformation as well. There was a lot of stuff upheaval going on in my personal life. And I basically had to hit a sort of personal rock bottom. And I, and I started undergoing what, you know, I can only call a spiritual awakening. Like I found God and that I didn't realize that I had found God at first. <laughs> Some of my friend, one of my Hindu friends realized I found God <laughs> before I did. He called me up and wanted to talk about 
my spiritual transformation, you know, and I was like, what? I'm posting about ideology and stuff, right? But that's what happened for me. So it's like, how do you tell parents? Well, uh, you know, I was in it for 20 years. You might be, your kid might be in it for that long. They might never leave it. Or, or if they leave it, it might have to come like an alcoholic getting better. It might have to come after some kind of personal rock bottom, rock bottom in their life where they start to rethink all their foundational beliefs and like who they are and the meaning of life and, you know, the, our purpose here. And do we have souls? Like I started having all these bigger questions. That's what it it yeah. led to but the things that woke me up the things that i consumed the media that i consumed was all emotional based it was like those videos of leftists attacking trump supporters and stuff that's what had an impact with that's me what got, yeah 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 and it and it was in conflict with what you were starting you were with your spiritual journey about what was right and wrong kind of emotionally what felt right to you yes um yes yeah i mean if you look you know we talk about social justice being a cult but that's not just a metaphor. Um, yeah. It is a cult. I mean, look at how there are plenty of examples. I think there's been movies about this. I don't know if Martha, Martha Marcy May Marlene maybe had a scene like this in it. I don't remember, but that's a movie about uh, a cult. But uh, if you if you see, like, a lot of times the parent will go and try and get their kid out of a cult. I don't remember if that happened in this particular movie. But a parent will you'll go try and get their, they'll try and rescue their kid from a cult, right? But the kid doesn't want to leave, right? The kid, yeah. The kid doesn't want to leave the cult, so yeah. um, it's not it's not that simple. It's not as simple as as presenting facts and arguments. In fact, as you've said, that might actually work against you. Um, they need to figure out that they need to leave the cult. Uh, they need to see the destruction of the cult. It needs to happen to them. Um, and again, I. I this is sad, and I'm, I'm not trying to say this to be callous. I'm, I'm really trying to say this to warn other parents of younger kids. Uh, you know, maybe there's nothing you can do, right? It might be that this is the path that your child is on, and you may be out of your control. All you can do is be patient and loving and wait, and it may or may not happen. It might be that you don't really have a lot of control there. And if you don't want to be in that situation and you have kids that are not uh indoctrinated yet really think about <laughs> what uh where you send them you right send them? um because you are potentially sending them off to a cult to be indoctrinated and, and if you, you if know. you do want to go send them to school there's one college i know of that i think is not infected with this yet just based on the little the, what little i know about it and um Where's this? Uh, Great Hillsdale College. I don't know. I don't know where. Where is it? And yeah, but look it up. I'm not sure where it is. Um, but I've I've met a student from there, and I've read. They do online courses, and I've read some of their course material. And Gracie West, who's another former SJW and a friend of ours, um, who has a show called Embarrassing Mom, she also recommends Hillsdale. So just look into them if you're if you're looking for colleges. You know, um, if you're if you're uh, the kind of person, I don't know if you would listen to the show if you're this kind of person, but if you're like the endower of institutions, right? If you're if you're the kind of person that would start a college, I actually think now is a great time to either acquire or start a university because uh, there is a uh, there's a real need for a university that explicitly stands up and says we are anti woke. We don't do this. We don't allow this. We don't have any tolerance for this. We, like this is you know 
we are about individualism and that's our stance and you know we're not going to tolerate this crap and, uh, and we're not going to have professors that teach it we're not going to hire a bunch of marxists um i think i think there is a an absolute demand for that i think i think yeah, you would do really well absolutely. maybe you buy an existing college and kick the people out that are there and 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 revamp it but uh you know i don't have a few billion dollars to try that experiment but some people do and if you some care about do. education um that might be a path forward so yeah can we do a few so super just, chats sorry yeah, go ahead. as you're pulling them up i just wanted to read one comment from oh, wellspring okay. community mm -hmm. and learning center she says i left the left only six months ago and it was because my former husband was so kind to me and gentle sharing videos and willing to resolve personal conflicts yeah 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 it's it's harder to uh, it's harder to because the the social justice ideology is rooted in hatred and resentment and it's hard to be hatred hate it's hard to hate and be angry at someone that you have a personal relationship with and who is only nice to you and loving it's hard you could do it uh, but yeah. it's hard um, all right a few super chats first of all cemetery of choice uh, gives us five bucks thank you cemetery of choice. Uh, they say media coverage of Provo car mobbing thugs, uh, the racist Portland elk, two suggestions. Oh, stuff to talk about. We are going to talk about the Provo thing because I've got it on my list. I have no idea about racist Portland elks, but maybe Carrie knows about racist <laughs> elks in Portland. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. As long as they're delicious, elks are allowed to be racist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Maggie Ellis. Uh, thank you, Maggie. Maggie says, hey, you two, I have endless passion about what's going on, and I have finally realized that my energy is ultimately wasted and becomes counterproductive. I must find a way to direct slash channel it. I don't know how. Um, so when she, I, I, I would have to read into this to really give in, uh, any advice here, Carrie, but it sounds like maybe you're spending a lot of time arguing uh, and that's counterproductive, uh, which I, I totally agree with. <laughs> um, I totally agree with that. I think there are, there are ways to spend energy. If you're more of an arguer, if you're more of a, uh, rider, a speaker to riders rather than a speaker to elephants, maybe you need to figure out where your strength is. If you speak to riders and you want to argue, I think there is room for that in the world, but you need to understand who your audience is. Your audience is other people who are receptive to rider talk, who are, who are receptive to reason and are going to listen to facts and who haven't, who, who aren't in the cult. They're just, they need ammunition because they need to go have these conversations and they, they need some help thinking them through. So, and in that case, you could do, you could do arguments on Facebook, I guess. You could also just do your own blog somewhere, your own start a YouTube channel, maybe not on YouTube. Uh, you could do something like that because um, you will end up, you know, not everyone is trying to do, like Carrie's really good at pulling the SJWs out. I could never do that because I don't want to talk to them. I certainly am not going to like, I, I don't like them. I don't want to talk to them. I don't give a crap about talking to their elephant. Uh, I don't have, I have very little empathy for the SJWs. I'm just being honest about my feelings. Right? I know. I, I'm not good at it, though. right? I'm much better at talking to people who are not in it and wondering what the hell's going on and need some intellectual ammunition to understand, to parse the world and understand, and they can go have those conversations. That's more of my strength. Carrie 
Carrie's got the ability to go into a room full of elephants and be like, calm down, and like have this elephant conversation and get them to maybe come out and start listening to some facts. Um, so maybe you have to know where your strength is. But uh, I think you, I don't think you should stop. I think you have that energy. I don't think you should stop or try and uh, squash that energy. Channel it, but uh, figure out who your audience is and don't channel it. I don't argue on Facebook at all, almost. I do almost zero arguing on Facebook because it's useless. I can make my points here. People can share them. They can yell in comments. They can say they're horrible. They can pass them around. And and I'm done. So you got to figure out what medium. I'm gonna works make a case of. I'm gonna make a case for engaging in some arguments online. Sure, um, sure. I I agree with Carter that a lot of it is a waste of time, and I waste a lot of my time, and I'm trying to get better at not doing that. However, a lot of some of the conversations are are very useful in that they they teach you how to. If you're in a conversation with someone who's calling you awful, untrue things, calling you a white supremacist or racist or whatever. Um, who's who's spewing hatred at you who it can be a good practice like judo or like going to the gym right it can be good practice at learning how to tame your own elephant and not get emotionally reactive because they have a lot of emotion and still talk to them it's i try the best practice is in and i can't this is rare when i feel like i've done a good job at this but i try this sometimes been trying it lately again which is to respond to those people in with disagreement and to point out why I think they're wrong, but to be loving, you can practice that so that you're not, so that when your, your replies are not calling them names or, you know, it's hard. It's a fine line. I will call their idea. Their ideology is racist and, you know, I'll right, call, but you them won't call them racist, racist and yell at them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. My belief is that I should not call them that because that's going to stop them from being able to hear what I'm saying. And, right. um, and because then it's like more like a personal tech, you know, and instead of being about what their beliefs are. Yep. So sometimes it's good. You can think of it like judo, but only if you're going in with that intent of bettering yourself, like improving the way that you interact with people who believe this belief system, then you can think of it like exercise. But there's a lot of it that's not exercise. And I know which is different. I, I engage in some of the the. <laughs> Pearls before swine stuff. It's a right. waste of time, and I don't need to be doing it. And so that you got to get better. Like I have to get better at figuring out which conversations are worth it, so that you can practice, and which ones are not. Well, um, you know, the other thing though is the you can the conversations can be a performance. So if you know that you're having the conversation with this person, and your ultimate goal is not to convince them. That, but to convince people watching the conversation right. that this person is crazy and that this or that this belief system is crazy, that this belief, this belief system is wrong and, and bad. Um, so that way you don't get invested in you don't have a vested interest in converting that person, because if your goal is to change someone's mind on Facebook, uh, that's the very depressing existence because <laughs> You may not change that person's mind. Like, yeah, it, it's not going to work you, often. They're, they they want to argue too. You're, you guys are. But if your goal is like, I'm just going to make sure that in this interaction, I'm demonstrating to bystanders the the fallacy of this other person's position, and they can see the contradictions and the uh, irrationality of this and the destruction that like the evil in this. Then then you've done your job and you can leave the conversation having quote lost in the sense that like they get the last word or they don't give up or whatever. It doesn't matter. You've, you've shown enough that anyone with half a, a brain will, will see what your point was and, yes. uh, and you can move on. Yes. Um, I, by the way, 
Speaking yep. of, I know you're going to pull up some super chats. But I am. Speaking of not letting your emotions get triggered by the other person's emotion. Okay, great example at the beginning of this show. Carter's emotion was triggering my emotion. And oh, I, I was triggered wanted... by comments, by the way, to be clear. Know, my emotion gets triggered too, yeah. yeah. Right, but then, <laughs> then uh, look what I wrote down immediately. Apologize to Carter. <laughs> but, uh, you but don't really, have to apologize. No, but I am sorry that I dismissed what you wanted to talk about because I, anyway, that's all. I'm sorry. Right. And I didn't need to be that rude. And, and you're, you're right. I've been a little like clippy lately. Like, let's move on, you know? So okay. anyway, I, I get it. You've got passion uh, and you have stuff you want to talk about. It's important. Um, okay. Uh, Nemo. Um, thank you, Nemo. Nemo says, I'm starting a support group for survivors of social justice, people leaving social justice, etc." I had to change the words to send this. It looks like he's sending it from Discord and had to modify some words. But um, great, that's awesome to know, Nemo. And then, then there's a there's a Discord link there that you can see. I think it's a Discord link, uh, so you can just look at that and go there. Uh, so thank you, Nemo. That's a, that's a good idea. Thank you. That's um, a very worthwhile way to spend your time. Yep, yep. Depending on your strengths, right? That that could be one of your strengths. It's just support for people afterwards. Um, Ken Lipson appears to kind of like Carrie. Three hearts to Carrie. Thank you, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that counter that counters that guy who last time told me Carrie is awful. In a yeah, but then he fo he followed it up with <laughs> I was kidding, right? Oh, oh by the way, uh, this isn't a super chat, but I'm going to read it. Cemetery of Choice says that Elk Fragility by Robin D'Angelo will be on the bookshelf soon, which I think is awesome. <laughs> yes, I'm sure Elk Fragility will be on the bookshelf. No, it won't because Elks have no money to give her. Uh, that, that's the only reason she's not going to write a book about elk fragility is because elks aren't ATM machines like white people are. Okay. Um, Blackbeard. Thank you, Blackbeard. Blackbeard says, for my kids, I learned to, sh I learned to show them the contradictions and help them work it out, not tell them because what does dad know? Lead the horse to water. Yes. Yeah. And you know, yeah. again, my child is not that old yet, but um, with you know, with my daughter, I've been very explicit. I mean, obviously, she knows what I think, but you know, I I take pains to reiterate that she can have different opinions. I might be wrong. She should bring arguments against me. She should use her own mind. It's her job. I want her. It's her job to make up her own mind about you know when there's there's sometimes there's relatives that disagree, and. You know, she'll come and say, you know, my grandparents say X, Y, and Z. And, you know, my, my answer isn't they're wrong. It's A, B, and C. My answer is like, well, what do you think? Maybe they're right. What do you think about that? I haven't, you know, you know that I, you already know that I think A, B, and C, but maybe I'm wrong. What do you think about their arguments? Let's, let's go through them. Let's have it like, you know, bring it up. Because what the inoculate, what to inoculate her against high school, college, anything that she's going to do in life uh, social media, right? To inoculate her against the SJW cult, uh, I really just need to make sure that her critical thinking muscle is strong. And yeah, after that, she could go major in transgender studies, and it won't matter. <laughs> like she could go major in whatever; it doesn't matter. I mean, she wouldn't probably, but uh, because she can see through it. But but if if you don't do that, if you're just telling them. Uh, then you're not actually building their muscle. You need to make kids strong, not give them the right information. Uh, they need to be able to figure the right information and draw their own conclusions. So uh, great point, 
Uh, Black, yeah. thank you. Ian Burns, Super Jack thank from you. Ian Burns. Thank you, Ian. Ian says, Helen Pluckrose has started a Discord forum. Oh, cool. For mutual support for people suffering at work or school from uh, CSJ, Cult of Social Justice, probably, uh, ideological awesome. indoctrination. indoctrination. It's invite only to protect anonymity as people work out what to do. That's also awesome. There's a lot of people suffering from this um, this kind of stuff, right? There's a, I've I've been received messages from the the craziest thing lately is messages from people in the music industry who I just naturally assumed were social justice all the way, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> saying things to me like, oh, "The world's gone crazy, man." Uh, like I like what you're doing, but it's like, all right. Like, I don't, they're just shutting up yeah. and doing their music industry stuff. <laughs> but, uh, you know. I have some from the entertainment world, too, because I worked, yeah, the comedy and film side and some music people. It's but, crazy. Uh, yeah. It is crazy. It's everywhere. Yeah. All right. Another super chat from uh, Libertas26. Good name for the Independence Day weekend. I would like your comments on the thought that the inherent contradictions within the SJW ideology will ultimately cause them to eat each other. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. The problem with that is, just like, look, this is the problem with a lot of the philosophical, I mean, I, like, I love philosophy, right? <laughs> here's the problem with philosophy, and here's the problem with principled uh, thinking. It's really bad at predicting when things will happen. So, like, the inherent contradictions in the Federal Reserve will eventually cause the dollar to, to be worthless scraps of paper that you'll use as toilet paper. The problem is predicting that. When will that end? When will I don't end? know. Like, there are people who've been running around for 20 years saying, buy gold, it's about to happen. They've been wrong. But maybe it'll happen next week. I have no idea. It's hard to tell when the house of cards will actually fall. So yeah. social justice ideology absolutely will implode on itself, but it may be after it's completely destroyed Western civilization, murdered a bunch of its own allies, had a dictator, and then fallen apart. Like, you have no idea when it's going to happen, and that's the problem. You can't just sit yeah. back and be like, this will self-destruct. Yeah, it may, but it may take you with it. So The thing is <laughs> about how, how much destruction will we allow in the meantime, how many years worth of destruction. And right. so, uh, it, but yes, you're right. If you watch this play out, you can look at smaller communities as like a microcosm of, of what's gonna what has played out historically every time a version of Marxism has reared its head. Um, and what, and, and you can see, you can predict what's gonna play out here in the US with this ideology now becoming mainstream by looking at these little communities. So. For example, someone in our unsafe space telegram was talking about in their local Facebook group, meaning where they live, that it's they started booting people out of the group and now they're all turning on one another. And, you know, the same thing happened in the knitting world with Ravelry is now they're all turning on one another. Um, way back when, when I was still in the cult, uh, it happened in the online feminist world, the third wave intersectional feminist world, all the feminist bloggers, it, everyone, it just became a firing squad of who's more, uh, who's more intellectually, not intellectually, but ideologically pure in the movement, who has more oppression than, and who has, who's the more oppressed. Like that's what happens because as they kick out, as they kick out people who are considered ideologically impure, then the group gets smaller and smaller and they're, Till there's very few pure people left ideologically because it is it is because well, they always need a scapegoat right so their yeah. bar has to get lower and lower for a scapegoat every time because right. they always need a witch to burn 
Right. But it's like, how many witches do we let them burn before that happens, before they're burning themselves? You know, like that's that's why it's important to speak out now while you still can. Yeah. And it's not and it's not and the damage isn't it's not just like those witches are innocent, like that the people that are, you know, the Mao's cultural revolution is still being felt (laughs) like millions of people died. Uh, like things like, yes, it's, it's kind of like, so, uh, Keynes said this and it, I think, by the way, for those of you who, uh, uh, I think most of the people probably don't like Keynesian economics. Keynesianism is the reason that we're here and we have the economic problems and it's the reason things will collapse. But you can see what the mentality of these people is when, when Keynes, someone pointed out to him like, well, won't this collapse And the, like in the end, won't this all fall apart? And you know what his response was? in the end, we're all dead, right? They don't care. Like, in the end, yeah, in the end, we're all dead. The question is, how much damage will it do in the meantime? Um, yeah. And and that's what we got to be worried about. Okay, let's do some more Super Chats. Taxterra. Taxterra. Thank you, Taxterra. She says, from experience, leaving a cult is hard. One must be willing to lose everything. Yes. Uh, yeah. Not everyone is that strong. So if those, we want people to those... leave the SJW cult, we need to step up and help. Okay. So those friends who are contacting me in some of them in the entertainment industry, but in other academia as well, those liberal friends who want to speak out against this but are afraid are fearful for good reason because they know they even they can have seen what happens. And so the fear is what's holding them back from speaking what they feel compelled to, to speak. And right. as I've told some of these friends, you have to get to a place where like I got to a place where the consequences, I felt the consequences of me not speaking became much greater than the consequences of me speaking. That's going to be a different place for every person and every person's going to get it over their fear individually. It's not like a group thing where we all get over it tomorrow, but um, I had, I got to a point where I had to speak and you have to be willing, like tax Tara said, you can't have something that you fear them taking from you. You know, or you have to be willing to let go of it if it's a fancy career or if it's, you know, um, uh, your social group or being 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 thought of as cool or your relative uh, being being relatively anonymous and not speaking up and being kind of keeping your head down in the herd, um, giving up that sense of not being seen. You have to be willing to do that. So, and not everybody's going to get there and, and some people will get there later than others. And, you know, it's an individual process. But. Yeah. Can, can I, I want to make a couple points about that really quickly. One yeah. is the thing that we were talking about before, someone said they had a, a group for people leaving the cult. Some people had a, and Helen had a group for people that were kind of stuck and surrounded by the cult, I guess. Um, you know, similar to if we think about kind of a traditional cult, what a parent or someone on the outside might do if they can't convince the person to leave, well, what they do is they make sure that the person knows there is a safe place and friends who will, there is a safe environment to come home to if they ever wanna leave, if they ever need to. It's very easy and they'll be protected and it's safe and they can come and and there will be people that will, will support them. And so um, I'm sure that kind of mentality can translate into this. Like there are people struggling with it. The more they see like, hey, Here's a group of people that we struggled with it too, and we're out, and we're we're safe, and we've got a lot of support around us, and 
And there is a place to run to. There needs to be a place to flee from. And that because that will help them psychologically feel better about all the losses that they're going to have. They need to, they need to know that it's not a desert on the other side. And so just the existence of that and reminding people that that exists and that it's there and that, you know, they got your phone number, right? They can call you, maybe not literally, but they can, they can give you a call and you'll come pick them up at the gas station in upstate New York and <laughs> drive them out of the hell of the cult or whatever it is that's there. Um, so I think that's important. The other thing I want to say, and I, I know, again, this may be, uh, well, just to add on to that. Yeah. Yep. That you're not going to judge them for getting to the party late, you know, let them come to the party whenever be a welcome. Keep the invitation open. Yeah. Keep the invitation open. Keep the invitation open and let them know that they're invited and they'll be welcomed. Um, and the other thing I want to say may, may sound, it's not callous. It's, uh, it's principled. So, but it, you know, so many people may take it as callous, uh, I get that you've got a lot to lose, but don't ever say anything that you don't believe because you kill a little part of yourself. No, none of your material possessions are worth you saying things you don't believe. They're not. So none of your social standing isn't worth it. Nothing is worth it. Um, you can't give them your, that, what's the from the line from V for Vendetta, v for Vendetta, that last inch. That last inch is yours. Um, and, uh, it's okay to be scared. What it's not okay to do is to uh, lend them legitimacy by parroting what they want you to pair. Parrot. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. If you can remain silent, okay, you can get away with it for longer. You can remain silent, but um, they'll find you eventually. I don't think you should <laughs> remain silent. I don't think that's a, a super honorable thing to do if you can avoid it. I, I get that there's, you know, other pressures in your life. But uh, but don't ever speak it. Don't ever speak it to fit in because you're killing a part of yourself and your career is not worth it. Nothing is worth it. Um, if if you have to if you have to lose everything, but keep your honor and your integrity as a human being, uh, that honor and integrity is worth all of your worldly possessions. It's worth it. Yeah. So do it. I agree. And uh, and by the way, no one has gotten out without loss. No one. Um, yeah. So, all right. Let's do some more super chats. Sorry. All right, Westy and then, Forty. And then, and, Go ahead. And then let's talk about this thing I wanted to discuss, if that's okay. cool. I just want to get through some okay. super chats. Yeah. Westy Forty, thank you, Westy Forty. Westy Forty says, one, Dennis Prager has warned about education indoctrination for years. Yeah, lots of people have. It's It's been, it's been a, a topic, but it's been a topic that's mostly been uh, ignored by mainstream. It's been, quote, crazy right-wingers or whatever, right? But yeah. Um, did you guys hear about the HCQ study today? No, I, I didn't. Um, also, there's an environmentalist apologizing for push pushing climate alarmism. New book. Oh, interesting. Um, wow, that's interesting. There, there are some, there are some interesting uh, people who are very pro environment in a way that philosophically I don't even agree with, but who have admitted, who have admitted that like this whole climate alarmist thing is ridiculous, and they they tend to get uh, sidelined and shut up by the mainstream media because. Uh, Climate change is a political issue, not a... Well, and now they're heretics because they've left it. So right. the same way that if you think of social justice ideology as an umbrella and it has, it pulls in all these different identity group movements and it co-ops them and then makes these movements work to spread social justice. And so it's pulled in BLM is one that's probably the most prominent one at this moment. It's the one that's propelling this cultural revolution we're in the middle of. But BLM is one. Feminism is one. Um, the LGBT movement is one. 
environmental justice is one. They've pulled it in and co-opted this, this term environmental justice. Um, you know, the mental mental health justice is one, fat positivity. But they go and co-opt identity groups. And the weird one is the environmentalism one because that's not an identity group, but they've still pulled it in. Yeah, I would argue that environmentalism has always been explicitly anti-Western culture, completely, from its foundation. Well, maybe, it's, that's, maybe that's why they can easily pull it in. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, it's, it. it's an ally. In fact, the environmentalist movement, I, I'm not sure if we look historically, but I, I, it's, I think it might have just been a dead end for the, for the same ideology. Like, they tried to go this way, and it didn't work, so they, like, backed up and took a, a turn towards race wars and went that way. <laughs> Like, oh, this yeah. is not working. Let's let's try intersectionality, but it's the same it's the same route. Um, yeah. All right, uh, Minnesota Black Robe Regiment. Uh, hey man, shout out to you. Thank you. Uh, he says, start a YouTube. Just be prepared for your employers to take notice. I think you started a YouTube, didn't you? Uh, and I don't know if your employers have taken notice, but uh, <laughs> maybe we should hope they haven't. I don't know. Um, yeah, be prepared for your employers to notice. They will. Uh, thank you to Kent Anufrachuk. Kent says, shine the light on stupid. Exactly why I do it. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Kent. That is, that is good. All right, Kent. So let's see. I think we might be at the end or close to the end. Hold on. Uh, no, sorry. I really appreciate all the super chats. Uh, I'm spending thank a lot of time you, yeah. scrolling now more than I used to. Uh, why bother? <laughs> Why bother? Thank you. Why bother says the problem in conversations is that most people are not willing to listen. For instance, at work, most growth I experienced was written was when basically the only thing I was doing was taking feedback seriously. Uh, yeah, and I wonder if that's an elephant thing, right? You have to want to listen because you want the personal growth. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think, Carrie? Well, they're not willing to listen if, if what you're saying is you're wrong, here's the facts, period. Well, no. because it creates discomfort. As soon as that emotional... So what happens is they hear something that is dis, discordant with, with their belief system. Uh, that causes an emotional response. The emotional response shuts off any further listening and solidifies their, uh, their tribalism. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, Thank you to Ashley. Ashley says, I discovered your channel via the knitting community. The knitting community? I didn't know we were there. Uh, Welcome, Ashley. <laughs> at the beginning of this year, watching your podcast has really helped me be more open with my political and social beliefs. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Ashley. Cool. Uh, appreciate that's it. And glad that of, we could help. Go that's ahead, the best kind of message to get. The best kind of note to get is that people have... Yeah, that people feel com more comfortable speaking what they believe to be true and pursuing what they believe to be true. That makes me very happy. So, yeah, welcome. Yeah, welcome, welcome. Okay, uh, thank you to Nunya Biz, which I said correctly this time. I'm very happy about that. Thank you, Nunya <laughs> Biz. <laughs> uh, Nunya Biz says, we need to codify into law the SPJ Code of Ethics requiring news seek the truth and report it, minimize harm, act independently, and be accountable and transparent. The industry can't self-regulate and is helping the SJ cult spread. Uh, I don't SPJ. agree that we should codify into law things, but, um, and I don't know what the SPJ Code of Ethics is. Do you? I don't. It sounds it like... Sounds uh, like oh, it's a society professional journalist, probably. Oh, oh, okay. I'm um, just guessing, if, hey, none of your bids, if I got it right. I'm you get points if she gets it right. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't think we codify it into law because, frankly, codifying into law is just um, whoever happens to be controlling the system at the moment controls the guns, and if it's codified into law, then they can force things. And uh, the idea, I think you need only look around and ask yourself, has the bureaucracy uh, of regulators been on the side of freedom and truth <laughs> or not? And if your answer is no, you may want to reconsider their power. Uh, giving them more power. Um, Valerie, uh, thank you to Valerie Verhoeven. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm butchering that. Valerie, uh, have either of you heard of the Tuttle Twins book series? Yes, one of the books is called Search for yeah. Atlas, based on the book Atlas Shrugged. I, I, um, I think I mentioned them previously. I had my, I had like I bought a bunch of them for my daughter when she was younger, and she read them. Uh, <clears throat> she liked them enough, but uh, they. I felt like they were a little bit too libertarian indoctrination. They were a little too beat you over the head with obvious moral stories. Like, you know, it would be like, you know, the kids go next door to the neighbor and he explains capitalism. It's like, all right, like, I, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's just a little ham-fisted. Like, I'm not trying to, dis I get the idea of the Tuttleton books. And, and frankly, there's nothing else. So in the absence of competition, I guess, fine. Um, but, you know, if you want to write children's books that are a little bit more subtle and principle and like talk about principles, uh, go ahead. Although actually, and that might help. I don't know that you have to, though. Old children's books are mostly fine, just like old stuff. She also loved like uh, the Mallory Towers stuff, uh, which was Eden Blyton. Is that how you, Edith, 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 I don't remember, Enid, Enid Blyton. Uh, and like the Mallory Towers and Famous Five and... Uh, whatever it was, Secret Seven, whatever those book series were, uh, they they weren't about politics, but they they did specifically make, they did specifically um, dramatize the importance of telling the truth and having integrity and like those kind of basic, um, and personal responsibility, those kind of basic characteristics. Uh, okay, Eche Homer, now I know how to pronounce it. Eche Homer Eche. says, what do Eche you guys Homer, think of the Black National Anthem? I didn't know there was one. Uh, okay, there's rumors there's not, the NFL are going to play it before games. By the way, it's oh Eke. Oh, I said Eche. I got it wrong. It's Eke. All right. Eke. I didn't take Latin. I don't know. So Eke Homer. Uh, yes. So Carter, you missed this story, but the NFL has now said they're going to play the Black National Anthem, and almost everyone says, "What Black National Anthem?" Yeah, I know. Because I they, they've just is it come like up Kwanzaa? with this song. They're going to play two national anthems now, but see, this is just a this is just a continuation of what we've already seen. And again, everything started in the colleges. It's already happened in the colleges. They've started segregation in the Wait, colleges. They, they I'm sorry, I just want to clarify. Are they talking about doing it? They said they're going to play. Two they're national going anthems. to do it. They're going to play two national anthems. So they've already segregated graduation services. They've segregated spaces. They've segregated classes. You see in the chats, they've segregated areas and said this is for Black people only. It's just like going back in time, right? Like to where you're having like uh, colored only spaces and white only spaces. That's what they're doing now. They just changed the word to people of color spaces and white people spaces. Um, it's it's segregation. And and I think I think what, what do I think about them playing two national anthems and saying that one is for black people and that one, I guess, presumably is not for black people. It's not unifying. It's well, not, I mean, uh, the national anthem stand. is for everyone. It implies it, that the national anthem, it, it, it explicitly paints yeah. our national anthem as only for white people. Yes. You know what's funny, Carter? I got to find this because 
three years ago, I wrote the hilarious, I will say they were hilarious lyrics to a new <laughs> national anthem. And I was going to send them to you so we could do a sketch video. I don't know if I sent them to you, but I have them. Uh, I need to go not. find them. And we should we should do that. I was like, right. and I look, prescient. It's happening. It's happening. They're actually doing a new national anthem. Anyway. Um, so what, I'm sorry. So, what does the black national anthem say? Like, what's different about it? Uh, it's a it's a song. We from, hate the country. Believe, blah blah blah. No, the... no, it's not a new song like that. It's not like my parody. No, it's just an old song that they they're saying they would rather hear that they. When I say they, I mean social justice warriors are saying that we should play. A bunch of instead. non-black people think that would be better. A bunch yeah. of non-black people, I'm sure. Yes. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, <sighs> can we do? <laughs> uh, okay, I think we're caught up on super chats, Gary. So I think we are. Okay, <laughs> you can move forward now with your content. <laughs> so I wanted to, if you can pull up the first one of these comments. So, um, you know, we just read Ordinary Men in Book Club. And thank you guys who read the book with us and joined the discussion. I thought it was really great. Um, one of the things we talked about in Book Club was something that I shared recently uh, on my on my wall, my social media wall, my Facebook wall. Okay, it's pulled was, up. Okay, was a part in the book where uh, and I shared a screenshot from the book Ordinary Men and it's a par- and I said throughout history ideologues have used good ends to justify tyranny it's how you get ordinary people to participate or at least stay silent in mass evil we just read Ordinary Men by Christopher Browning about Reserve Battalion 101 and the final solution in Poland it's sadly still relevant one part of their training included regular race-based ideological indoctrination similar to the anti-racism in quotes anti-racism indoctrination now happening in our places of work our schools and in our churches they had to believe that what they were doing had good ends and the page from the book that i posted was a page um where it talked about how in addition to um as part of their basic training these these uh police officers who were, were um who were tasked with exterminating Jewish people that as part of their training, they had to be quote strengthened in character and ideology. Um, basic training included a one month unit on ideological education. One topic for the first week was race as the basis of our worldview. Officers were required to attend one week workshops that included one hour of ideological instruction for themselves and one hour of practice in the ideological instruction of others. So it's very similar to what we see coursing through all of our places of work, our churches, uh, our schools at the moment. So I shared that. And then um, this guy commented, and I, I wanted to, I'm not revealing his name. I just wanted to highlight what he said, because I think it's fascinating for anyone who's been following along with us and watching this um, unfold, watching this kind of become dominant in the mainstream. Um this person is a straight white guy who is a senior vice president at an entertainment company, and according to his Twitter feed, he's been he is a person who's fresh from the brainwashing. So he's been forced to attend these Warner Warners holding these um, uh, indoctrination these racist indoctrination sessions now that they call anti racism. So he's going through the training. Um, so this was his, I haven't heard from this guy since I left the cult. It's been, I don't know how many years, but I used to know him when I worked in entertainment. So he says, just curious, who is your audience? This is in response to the pay, to the ordinary men book. <laughs> he says, just curious, who is your audience for these posts? 
is it just your fellow racists and white supremacists <laughs> or is it also your childhood and business friends? And then he tagged, I blacked the name out, but he tagged another mutual business acquaintance I knew from way back when, uh, presumably to, I don't know, make that guy feel like he should unfriend me or something. I don't know. Yep. So, Oh crap. I left his name up there in the response. I'm really sorry. I did not intend to do that. Do you oh, see oops. that Carter? Oh, sorry. We anyway, moved here. We can move on to the here, next response. On to the next slide. So <laughs> move on. Move on to the next response. I, I'm so. I really not mean to do that. Um, it, it doesn't matter. This was a public post, but I still was going to. But it is a public post. So, um, he. Um, I said to him, you know, I don't. I. Don't, I oppose racism. That's why I left social justice ideology. It's a racist and sexist collectivist belief system, and it tells us we should judge people and treat them differently on the basis of race and sex. So what I wasn't expecting is his next comment. He admitted this. And and there's something about this that's very childlike. It's um it's like it's like a child regurgitating words that they've been taught to say without thinking about what they're saying. So he says, of course we have to treat people differently based on race. Whoa, 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 what? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, what uh, are you? Because most of the time you and the KKK, buddy, you're in agreement. Yeah, you and the KKK, I believe, and Hitler, by the way, which this is the book about Hitler. <laughs> right. Um, yes. Yeah. Which was my whole original point. You're proving my entire point. He says, of course, we have to treat people differently based on race. That is an anti-racist belief, not a racist one. Do you guys hear that? This is so we've talked about this before. Um They've started like they name they name things just like Republicans used to name things pretty craftily. They'd call it something like this is called the no child left behind bill and then hope that the name is enough to keep you from reading the content of the policy. Right. So they're very good at this and it's very simplistic. They name they name their racism anti-racism. They name Antifa Antifa, which is supposedly anti-fascist. They name it anti-fascist, but those people, Antifa behaves in fascist ways. They they um, condone violence and censorship and force, the use of force, controlling people. They behave in fascist ways, but they call themselves anti-fascist. This is a racist belief system because, like he just said, it teaches you that, of course, we have to, we must treat people differently on the basis of race. That's racism. And calling it anti-racism doesn't change what it is in practice. Um, and so I, I just, I wanted to highlight this because this is an adult. No, he's not a troll. Beverly in chat says this guy's a troll. No, this guy is not a troll. He is a senior vice president at a company that's owned by Warner. And he's probably my age. So uh, maybe late thirties, early forties. Um, and he is when I first sent these to Carter, he was like, well, he's young. He's a kid. No, uh, no. I was saying metaphorically he's a kid. I, I didn't oh, actually okay. think he was young. Carrie proved that he was balding. She sent me pictures. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's not a kid. I'm like, yeah, no, I, I meant he's just a child like, oh, okay. inside. He's, he's just a kid. Yeah. You're right. He is a kid <laughs> inside. And the thing is, when I was reading these last night, he continued arguing with me today. And it is a public post, so right. I did not mean to out him. But You didn't read the he... prove you're not racist part of his thing, which is my favorite of oh, the whole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he says, he says to a friend of mine who, who started you know, challenging him, he tells her, prove you're not racist. <laughs> and she, right, she brightly was like, 
are you not even listening to anything I'm saying? I just said, like, this is a double bind. You're basically saying if you drown, you're, uh, if you drown, you're not a witch. If you float, you're a witch. I guess you may as well drown. Like, there's no proof you're not a racist. I, you know what? I would like for him to prove that, um, that believing that judging and treating people differently on the basis of race is somehow not racist. And the only way anybody can do that is by using, trying to use their new made up definitions, which magically say, oh, magically, uh, uh, racism is impossible against a specific race or sexism is impossible against a specific sex. And, you know, right. I uh, prove you're not uh, a anyway. racist is the same as saying prove you're not a rapist. You can't, prove you're not a witch. You, you, yeah. you can't prove that. You can't prove it. When did you stop beating your wife? But yeah. you know what? You can, and at a later point, he said, you know, if you won't come out and and say that you support Black Lives Matter and uh, and that you believe in this ideology, essentially, then how can anyone know you're not a racist? I'm like, that's a very good question. The the answer is they can look at my beliefs and my actions, which is to treat people as individuals, and they can look at your beliefs and actions which is to treat people as members of a racial group, which is to treat people and judge people differently on the basis of race. And you just said that's what you believe we must do. They can look at those two ways of believing and behaving in the world and they can come to their own conclusions. I'm pretty comfortable with the conclusions people, rational people who've not had their brains sucked out in a corporate indoctrination set, uh, uh, racist right. um, uh, workshop. I'm pretty comfortable with the conclusions they're going to draw. Um but I, I I didn't want to I didn't want to put this up here to shame him. I wanted to put it up here. Yeah, don't bug to, him. By the way, don't don't. don't no, I mean if you him. guys, it is a public post. And if you want to argue with him, feel free. If he's still there. But but I don't. The point is not to pile on him or try to get him fired or do any of the things that they do. I, there's no use in that. It's a waste of time. It's pointless and it's destructive. The point is that I had never I hadn't yet seen one of the new brain brainwash. People, somebody who's been freshly brainwashed, right? And SJW has been freshly brainwashed. I haven't yet seen one of them so openly say, yes, we must treat people differently on the basis of race. At, that blew my mind that he was so well, open the, about yeah, it. Yeah, like as it filters down from academia, it, the, the, uh, veneer. It, it loses that, yeah, it loses the veneer of legitimacy. And so like it becomes more and more what it is. And by the time it gets to like the dumb frontline zombies, they're like, racism, ah. Right. Like it's, yeah. they're just like they're just racist. And they, they're like, yeah, I, we have to be racist. Um, so yeah. it loses all of that. Uh, by the way, it Ian loses, Burns, right. Ian says it, a duck. No, it was uh, Eke who said a duck. I think maybe it was Ian. One of them just in chat said a duck. Thank you for that reference. Uh, oh, the Monty Python reference. <laughs> the Monty Python skit. <laughs> I, I, it definitely you're right by the time it so you've got the you've got the people in academia which is where this originated from you've got them trying to intellectualize racism and sell like you've got people like robin d'angelo trying to sell you on racism and coming up with pseudo intellectual jargon to explain why their racism it should be considered anti-racism it's brilliant marketing but then you're right by the time it filters down through these indoctrination workshops you you've then got people like him who haven't is not very well read doesn't seem to have a, a anything more than at most a surface level knowledge of history trying to speak what that what has been pseudo intellectualized and there and it comes out it comes out what it really is Even right because they, they don't get all the intellectual there's like 
there's all of the there's the web of language that's used to hide the fact that you need to treat people differently based on their race, right? But yeah. that that web of language, like the the essence of the message gets communicated, and then when the essence gets distilled in and regurgitated, it's like you're only left with the essence, right? Because because yeah. this guy's not capable of reconstructing the web around it, and like and giving you the entire web, so he's just he's just spitting back out the essence of it, which is. Hey, it's you need to be racist. So it's like, okay, okay right. yeah, that's that's. And your, I want to, I, I want to under, I want to underline something. He came in the thread and he did what a lot of people are. It's one of the reasons why why liberals are afraid of speaking out is they don't want to be called something they're not. Don't be afraid. You know what you are. You know what your beliefs are. Like he came into the thread and called me one of the worst things you can call someone. He called me a white supremacist and racist right off the um, bat. Right, off, right the off the bat. Right yep. off the bat. One of the worst things you can call someone. But my beliefs don't illustrate white supremacy. I've never said anything that supports white supremacy. I know who I am. He doesn't have a leg to stand on making that allegation. And actually what you can do is don't be afraid of those things. And and if you when you if you do choose to respond to someone who's attacking you in that way, I didn't call him those words, but I did point out that his ideology was like those th those ideologies. He said multiple times in the thread, I believe in treating people differently on the basis of race and sex. And so it's it's fine to point out, hey, guess who else believes in that? White supremacists. Hitler believed in that. Anti-Semites believe in that. You know, that's the that's the ideological company you're keeping. Um, I don't yep. believe in that. I believe in individualism. So uh anyway that that was uh oh no ninja says i'm getting sad i'm not getting sad i actually i actually had a moment where you know when i said sometimes i'm better than others at at responding to someone with love even though it, last night i thought i did a pretty good job of it you know i thought i did a pretty good job i didn't go to the, i didn't mock him i did think he was drunk at one point because I, I posted an Alexander Solzhenitsyn quote and he couldn't understand it. And it was pretty late night. And I was like, I don't understand how you can't understand the quote <laughs> unless you've been <laughs> drinking. But it wasn't an insult. It was really just, I maybe go to bed. I, I'm like, you can still argue with me in the morning. I'll be here. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, let's do a couple super chats, Carrie. Why bother? Thank you, Why Bother? Why Bother says, Did you familiarize yourself enough with Pluckrose, Lindsay, and uh, Bogosian hoax? They sent a Mein Kampf chapter, edited in SJW Journal, ran with it. Isn't it insane? Tell us something about the ideology. Yeah, we had James Lindsay on probably over a year ago and specifically talked about that uh, that hoax. Um, if you haven't seen that, yeah, they 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 did do that. They, <laughs> they got a piece of Mein Kampf published in uh, Social Justice Journal because they agree with it. So not James Lindsay, but the social justice mob. The social justice mob agrees with it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. And one other super chat before we can move on. Uh, Eke Homer says, Carrie turned me into a newt. <laughs> you got better, <laughs> though, right? Yeah, he got better. <laughs> so, but he got better. He got better. I like all the Monty Python references today. I love I, that scene. Is like It's such an awesome scene. That movie is an awesome movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Uh, and that scene is so uh, pertinent to today's culture. To where we're at. You know why know. when we say that things were ahead of their time, do you know do you know why they're ahead of their time? Because there's nothing new under the sun. You know, this is we've seen this over and over again throughout history. So if you're if you're talking about um, human nature and the nature of humans to um, 
to be persuaded to join a mob and commit great evil because what they believe they've been taught that what they're doing is good and they believe that it's good, then, you know, that's always going to be relevant, sadly, because <laughs> seems like we're going to keep on doing it. We don't know enough history. But. Yeah, I mean, and for those of you who are in book club reading Atlas Shrugged, one thing you'll find, and it was written, I don't know, in the 40s, maybe? Uh, I don't remember exactly. <laughs> um, 50, somewhere around there. Uh, it was written at a time when, I mean, I mean, this, it's a, it's a long time. I think it's just like 60 years ago, something, right? It was a long, long time ago. Uh, maybe it was the fifties. It doesn't matter. Um, it's a, it, you'll notice how it's amazing how like it, it, it will parallel what's happening today. And it's like, well, how did she predict all this? You know, the same way Orwell did the same way that, um, uh, Who's the Brave New World? Aldous Huxley did Addis. uh the same way that uh Ray Bradbury did in Fahrenheit four fifty one. Uh they saw some of the fundamental principles going wrong in society and predicted various uh, someone says uh nineteen fifty seven. Keith the Hat Guy says nineteen fifty seven. Thank you, Keith. They they saw the principles uh going wrong in society and predicted okay, well, if they continue along this path, here's a way that they could play out, right? Uh, and I think Rand tended to do it uh, kind of on a more fundamental philosophical level, but uh, the others did it as well with, with basic principles. And, um, and you know, you can see when, when it, the- you focus on like the, the more uh, child-rearing aspect of it, which Rand kind of ignored in At The Shrugged, and all her works, she kind of ignored. Uh, you get you get something more like Brave New World, where it's like, oh, this is the kind of human that comes out of this. This is what happens when you indoctrinate kids, and when like, right? Um, so uh, again, no one could have said when, right? No one knew when this was all going to happen, but uh, here we are. So it's it's even older than that. I mean, it, I just someone just shared this Plato quote with me, which I had never heard. And mm-hmm. it made me think of some of the stuff that Nietzsche wrote about in, in Tarantulas. Um, it, it's Plato said, um, this and no other is the root from which a tyrant springs. When he first appears, he is a protector. Right. And that's also echoes what C.S. Lewis talks about, you know, the, uh, the, the tyrant who, who believes that he is um, being tyrannical towards you for your own good you know that yep. he's protecting you yeah anyway. no i mean yeah you can go back to plato you can go back to socrates even and aristotle and you get a lot of similar uh you get you get a lot of similar insights about about what will move forward so or about what's going to happen in the future so carrie um you want to talk about a topic you want a topic <laughs> let's do a topic. <laughs> been doing topic i know another yeah, another a new topic i know let's a, do a new topic, topic. okay um I'm going to share an article. This happened on Tuesday, and uh, this is the arrest, which happened after Tuesday. But uh, did you see this shooting uh, during a protest in Provo, Utah? Oh, I did, yeah. Somebody shot into the SUV, right? Yep. So I'm not going to use sound at all, and you can't actually see. I don't know why it says it contains sensitive content. You can't see a thing here. But... Um, that's the SUV. There's actually someone shooting here, and that person actually will chase and shoot again. You can't really see them. 
in this video. But uh, this person has been arrested. Uh, it's this person here. I'm not going to play this video either, but well, here I will. It's easy to see. So that person there, you can actually see them. They pull out a weapon right here, this, this person in green. They shoot. They actually put the weapon, uh, they shoot again. They chase after the SUV and they put the weapon away. Um, and, and later, actually, they use the weapon to uh, beat on the back of someone else's car. This, this person's been arrested. But I want, I want to talk about uh, something related to this because, first of all, this is the guy that was driving the SUV was not involved in either side. Just, he was just passing through, right? Just passing through, wanting to get to where he was going. And I also want to point out that this is, this is and my friend pointed this out to me, so I didn't realize this, but if, he may be listening today. I'm not sure. Um, Provo is a, it's, it's the middle class. This is not the ghetto. They've taken, they've taken these protests out of the ghetto. This is a predominantly white Mormonish middle class kind of, um, place and has city. And, you know, this is an escalation of, of the insurgency. This is a, this is a movement away from inner city violence and bringing it to where the, for lack of a better word, insurgents are wanting this violence to be, right? Which is in the, in the suburbs, in the... Carter, uh, I think you don't have the camera on your Yeah, I, right I switched, now. I switched. I noticed. Okay. Uh, which is in the server, in the suburbs. My friend just, <laughs> my friend just signaled me. He says, I'm listening. He gets credit for describing. So he's the one who, uh, he was, he's been talking to people who know better, which who I don't, I don't want to go into, but who, who have uh, experience with insurgencies and, and the, the general consensus is that when, as people look at what's happening in the U S that there is an insurgency happening. And, um, and this is kind of the next level of escalation. You want to take it to, um, the regular people in the suburbs. And so, um, now the guy was caught that did this and faces jail time. I get, well, he's, you know, if he gets convicted, he'll face jail time. Uh, and um, he's just, you know, a white BLM supporter uh, who, was, who was protesting. And the reason I think it's important to talk about this is I think this escalation will continue and you're not going to be able to, you're not necessarily, you can't just say, well, I don't live in downtown Oakland, so I don't have to worry about it, right? Or I don't live in downtown Chicago, so I don't have to worry about it. Um, you, they're going to bring this to you. That's part of the escalation of this thing. And uh, you don't have to actually be involved. You know, you know, you might not know that a protest is going to pop up on the street corner. That actually wasn't a lot of people. If you look at the video, it doesn't look like it's thousands and thousands of people. Um, and the guy's just driving. And he got shot, by the way. The, the, the driver, so the, the person who shot at this, he, he shot through the passenger window. He hit the driver. The driver started to move forward because uh, he obviously he was shot and he wanted to get out. Um, and then the guy shot again through the back window at the driver as he was leaving. The driver, uh, I think, is, is okay, um, but you know, got himself to, to a hospital or whatever. But um, I want to talk about this blocking your way kind of protesting because it happens a lot in the Bay Area uh, on 101 on the peninsula in eight, on 880 uh, in the East Bay. Uh, I'm sure it, happen it happens all over the place, but I know it happens here in the Bay Area. Protesters will, will mob the street and, 
and block your way. They'll block your way. And the question is, and my friend and I got in a discussion about this. I'm not going to share the details of that. But the question is, well, at what point, like, what do you do, right? What do you do if you're stuck there? What if your kids are in the car? What if you're there and the kids are in the car and you're being blocked? And uh, from a moral perspective, blocking your way is in a form of imprisonment. And it is the use of force as far as I'm concerned. They've initiated the use of force. So morally... Uh, I think you can do whatever you wanted. Practically, to get out. Uh, practically, a lot of things won't work. Um, and so I thought I started to talk about the like, legally. What can you even do? So I read a, I read a little blog this morning um, from Andrew Brana, who is the a Massachusetts attorney. He wrote a book called The Law of Self Defense, and he talked about this. This is years old. He's not talking about this incident. He's talking about years ago. Uh, if you get blocked, uh, there's there's so there's five. There's five elements that are judged usually legally. Obviously, I'm not a lawyer. I'm just telling you what this lawyer said. So don't go. This is this does not constitute legal advice. Blah blah. blah. All right. Uh, <laughs> five. There's five elements of uh, that justify the use of self-defense. Um, one is innocence. Obviously, if you're just sitting in the car, you're innocent. Okay, fine. Uh, two is imminence. Is the threat imminent? Right. And that's hard to say. Like if you're just sitting there in the car, and the crowd's around you, like that could go either way. Whether a judge argues all five of these have to be present for self-defense. So is the threat imminent? Um, there's avoidance and reasonableness. Did you behave reasonably and did you try and avoid? Like, okay, those can probably be dealt with. But the one that's difficult is proportionality because um, it's hard to argue that blocking your car is, is a deadly force, right? Or, or great bodily injury, therefore, but, but using your car as a weapon to move people is considered deadly force. So you'll be considered the initiator of the use of deadly force if you try and move. Um, that does change if you see them attack other cars. So if they light the car in front of you on fire or start breaking into the car in front of you, then you've got reason to believe that, that your life is in danger and, uh, and you can take more action. But even then that's just legally, there's a bunch of like, from a realistic perspective, there's like, there's a lot of questions about what you can get away with. So I'm not, I don't want to talk about what you should do in that case. I just want to say this is going to get worse. Um, and they are intentionally, I think they are intentionally moving this uh, to get into your face. They want to bring people into this who have not been uh, involved. It's going to get worse and worse, and you need to start being prepared. One thing that I've always done, and probably this friend taught me this, that who's listening right now, although I don't know if he did. Uh, as I drive always, like if we're in traffic, I always make sure I can see the tires of the car in front of me because it gives me enough room to turn, like turn and get around them. I'm never locked behind the car in front of me. Now, if I'm on a freeway and we're all stopped, I might not be locked in the car in front of me, but I probably can't go m many places, so it's not always helpful. But, uh, you know, it's it's important to start paying attention to this stuff is going to happen, and uh, I, I think this, for lack of a better word, this insurgency is, in fact, escalating. And I don't think the law is going to help you. The law is not going to be on your side. I don't you know, even if you're even if you're justified in whatever behavior you take, uh, no one's going to want to defend you. <laughs> uh, you're going to get prosecuted anyway. That's that's just where we are. So just be careful. I just want to bring that that up. I don't know if you know if you saw that Provo shooting, but it's particularly mm -hmm. bothersome to me. Yeah, I think uh, it is very bothersome. I think they are going to continue trying to drag people into like escalating violence or getting into skirmishes and 
I hesitate to bring this up because we're going to go back to the topics at the very beginning. Uh-oh. But uh, there is a video you should see if you haven't seen it yet of, um, I just saw it this morning. It's uh, a white woman and two black women arguing, and it's being recorded by one of the black women. I think it, it's a mother and daughter. The, do- the adult daughter is recording it. And it was uh, coming out of a, a Chipotle um, apparently the white woman was coming out of the Chipotle and bumped the daughter and yeah. then the, presumably so by then, mistake or, or was presumably it by mistake. Right. Okay. So when the video starts, the woman is, Oh, excuse me. I'm going to sneeze. <coughs> Sorry, my doggy. Um, it's not COVID. Uh, so as the, put your mask on, the, Carrie. Uh, put my mask on. Anyway, the video starts with the, the white woman being interrogated and, um, she's calm at first she's calm and she's and the other two women were are not calm and are accusing her of racism and yelling things at her and she's very calm and saying you know i didn't i think she's defending herself i didn't mean to bump you or whatever um she gets in the her car she's trying to leave and the the two women are blocking her path to her car her a man that is with her a white man who's with her comes in um and says something to the women as well. And, and then they get in the car and the women are still yelling at them. And so the woman rolls down her window and she starts arguing again. And she starts saying, I was not racist. I'm not racist. I'm sorry. Somebody's done something to you in your life that makes you think this was racist, you know? And then she rolls up her window and they start to leave. And then the woman filming turns the camera. So you, you can't see what happens in this moment, but you can, you can see what's starting to happen. Her mother, the other black woman, walks behind the car. And um, there's a very biased article about this video on The Root. I read the biased article at first, and it told me what happened. Just like I'm telling you what happened. You should go watch it and form your own opinions. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to The Root. Um, but in The in the Root's version, they said that, um, that, you know, they tried to portray her as some innocent woman who... She happened to be behind the car. Why are you behind the car? You guys were heading into Chipotle. She goes and gets behind the car and says, oh, and she feared she was going to be hit by the car, so she put her hand on the back of it. I think what probably happened was that she went behind the car and hit the car. Anyway, that's my assumption. Um, the, the car stops. The one, white woman gets out. The daughter starts filming again, and she pulls a gun on them, Carter, the white woman. And she pulls a gun on them and, is, and starts screaming. And she lose, completely loses her cool. She does something you should never do. She did, and that's why I said it goes back to the beginning where you're telling people to be safe and to be trained. And, you know, um, she doesn't make concealed carry. I don't think she makes people look good by doing this. Um, on the one hand, I understand the emotional argument people are going to have if she felt unsafe. I totally get it. But I think tactically and everything, I think what she did is wrong. And I think she let her emotions get away with her. Um, but the way that the video is being presented and she was arrested for pulling a gun on them. Right. Um, the way that the video is being presented by the SJW narrative or like in the root, for example, is that, you know, these two innocent women were uh, that, that some racist white woman just decided to pull a gun on them outside of a Chipotle base. And, right. and they're calling her Karen and all the stuff. But um, I think if you watch the video, you're going to see it's much more nuanced than that. And I think, I think you've got a media that is whipping people up into looking for ways to vent, to vent their, 
pain body, right? Where Eckhart Tolle would call the pain body. And then you've got other people who it's, oh gosh, there's a great, um, there's a great quote by um, Jillian, what was that? Gone Girl, the woman who wrote Gone Girl. There's a part in the book where she says, I've never read Gone Girl. Okay. Well, there's a, there's a great line in the book where she says, his, his, um, his thorns fit my wounds. Okay. Oh. I think sometimes you meet people whose thorns and wounds fit. Yep. And actually, um, a lot of couples get into relationships that way, unfortunately. Yes. And sometimes you're a stranger. You, This person has this wound or this thorn or they have this thing that they want to vent on someone. Eckhart Tolle would call it, you know, living in your pain body and re-experiencing a type of pain and looking for pain, either looking to re-experience it or looking to inflict it. And then you've got someone whose wounds fits that thorn or their thorn fits your wound, vice versa. And they're mm-hmm. looking and it's boom, it's on. We're going to have this really wrong, toxic unhealthy inner altercation now yep. you know some people would walk away some people wouldn't do what that woman did but this woman happened to be the kind of woman who's like i'm gonna pull a gun on you if you're you know like it just went always wrong well you know so, uh first of all we are in an environment where tensions are getting higher um and that's that's intentional like the, the left has been ginning up tensions quite a lot yeah. so you definitely have people that are just frustrated with all this crap. Like, stop calling everything racist. Stop, like, people are just angry and upset and pissed off, and they should be. Like, I totally get that. Um, but, you know, to go back to something that I said in my apology video, I won't talk about the St. Louis couple at all, but um, this woman reacted this way because she didn't have a plan. And um, the friend that oh, I was let talking me inter- about. Interrupt for just one second. Uh-huh. Amy says in chat. She says the white woman was pregnant, notoriously right. hormonal and emotional. I, I didn't realize that, but I did see her holding her stomach most of the time. Right. Okay. Yeah, she was pregnant, um, but she didn't have a plan. And uh, and I really want to get this friend on the show. So I, I don't want to say his name at all. But everyone just like, I don't know what you can do in chat. So just write, come on the show in chat. We got to convince him to come on the show. Anyway. Uh, because he really knows what he's talking about with this stuff. And we were talking about it this morning. And, you know, the importance of having a plan for a lots of things in life, you can't actually, in the moment, you can't process things. Um, this is why, this is why, like, standard infantry tactics are uh, are all around having, like, there's a, there's acronyms for, like, knowing what to do at each thing. There's a standard, there's standard drills that you do. You know what you're supposed to be doing. When this happens, this happens. When that happens, this happens. This is how we communicate. This is what we do. You, you know, you know, uh, you know, you cover, we run. We cover, you run. Like, they know what you, it's, and it's practice. Because what you can't do when there's a life and death situation is stop and think about strategically the best thing to do. You can't do that. You don't have time. So you need to have a plan. And what happens is this woman, she had her emotions up. She had no plan for what to do in a scenario like this. And so uh, she ended up behaving in a way that probably wasn't best for her baby or her. Um, so had she had a plan, she might have realized, okay, if I'm in this situation, look, if I, I'll tell you what my plan would be in that situation because that's a very easy situation. If I'm in the car and there's someone in the back pounding on the back of my car and I can drive forward, I don't know if she could, but I drive forward, right? 
<laughs> I mean, I don't know if she could. They, Maybe she was backing. They couldn't out. drive forward. They, she was backing, or the, okay. the man was driving. The man was driving. Oh, they the, were oh okay. It was a couple. They they were trying to back out of the parking space. Okay, fair enough, right? But but you know you you can't your plan you can't let your emotions just be like I'm gonna I'm gonna whip out a gun. This woman's hitting the back of my car with a hand. You got to consider what will happen to you if you're the one who brings deadly force into the situation. You'll go to jail, um, and that's not helpful. So, um, so can you can you answer a question from the comments? Oh yeah. Somebody in the comments, Carter says. Um, I lost it, but basically said, why can't you pull a gun on someone who you feel is threatening you? Yeah, well, I mean, she's for, trying to leave when her exit is blocked. What is she supposed to do? Right. So, but I'm, so I, we can talk about from a moral perspective versus legal perspective, <laughs> right? Okay. Um, morally, uh, I, I, this detached from legality, morally, uh, first of all, I would not have the wife step out of the car because she's pregnant, Right. I would like I wouldn't want her to be the one to have like any confrontation out of the vehicle. So um, I'd probably I would probably step out of the car like morally, not legally. Morally, you may step out of the car and say because it's just a couple people. They're not likely to like you don't know they don't have weapons. They're not like threatening you with force. They're beating on the car, but maybe maybe. But it sounds like she just hit the car once. They're frustrated. They're yeah. angry. Right? You can get out of the car. You can and your wife can get into the driver's seat. <laughs> Right. And you can have a conversation with them and try and de-escalate. De-escalation is the best thing to do generally. Um, if you want to go off and get angry, I, I guess you could. But you can't use bringing like legally bringing a pistol to the game is the initiation of the of the use of deadly force. And if and I think legally, if she hasn't, you know, if you don't if your life isn't threatened, banging on the back of your car isn't threatening your life. So you can't you can't do that legally. You will go to jail. You can yell at her. You can tell her to move. Blah blah blah. Um, I guess you could call the police. I don't know what you can do legally. I don't know legally what your options are. Morally, I think you have a right to use force to remove her. But you know you've got a pregnant wife in the car, and it's more than one person that you're dealing with. You have to you have to take all that stuff into account and decide what the right thing to do is. Maybe you can back up super slowly, and the lady will move. I don't know. Um, and I haven't seen the video, so it's hard to even comment well, on the video. But and to be clear, you can't to jump, jump right here. to lethal force. Is my point? Yeah. To be clear, just to jump in here, I agree with. I have seen the video, and I think if Carter watches it, he would agree with me too. Uh, Amy says to me, it definitely seemed like the ones hitting the car and videoing were trying to make the situation turn bad. Bad. Absolutely, I yeah. agree. That was my takeaway. They, the the uh, couple that got in the car, they were trying to leave. In fact, their way was being blocked to get to the car. And then once they got in the car, their way was being blocked to leave. I absolutely agree. Who was trying to escalate this here were the, uh, the woman and daughter filming and getting in the way. I absolutely agree. And I think that's immoral. Somebody said, morally, are you kidding? Yeah. I think, I think what they were doing. Yeah. Was yeah totally. That's immoral. I, think, I yeah. agree. Yeah. What, what Carter's just saying is when you find yourself in a situation like that, what, what are the, um, I guess like the the moral or and legal decisions like what are the what are the options available to you and he was just saying he wouldn't send well first of all it wouldn't be the pregnant wife that he would send out of the car not that the guy sent her out I'm sure she jumped out on her own sure she, but you know yeah right it's not the pregnant wife that gets out of the car uh, in fact right. if you're being if you're both going back to your car and you're being uh, th this is a good reason to have a plan if you're both going back to your car and you're being uh, attacked. Or, or blocked, 
you probably right then make a situ- you make the determination that the wife drives, right? You're like, and you go open the door for her, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you make sure she can get in the car and get away. Uh, because once she's in the car, she's a little more safe. And then you can deal with the situation and hopefully get in the passenger's car seat and, and go away. Maybe, you know, again, not legally, but like maybe you're able to like talk or even physically move people away from the back of the car so your wife can back out and then you run and jump. Like, I don't know. I don't know the right, I don't know. I haven't actually thought, I don't have a plan for that situation. So I should have a plan for that situation. So I don't know the answer. But um, what I'm saying is not, it's not that you can't retaliate with force. Like they are using force, absolutely. What I'm saying is legally, if you if you escalate immediately to deadly force, you will go to jail probably because the law will not recognize that you were in fear of your life, right? Um, now, if you try and move them or do something, yeah, maybe then the law, and then and then they do something back, maybe then you could. But um, that's what the police are for. Like, we can have this conversation in like in in the context of an anarchic society. But we do have police, and there's a reason for that. We have police. Like, you get your wife to the car, she sits in the driver's seat. If she can't go anywhere, she calls the police, and she says, "We're being blocked by these people, and the police can come and deal with. They can have the problem of having to move the lady. You don't want to have to move the lady. Like, that's not. You don't want to get involved in that. If you if you cannot get involved in that, don't get involved in it. Uh, that's what the that's what the cops are for. Um, so yeah i don't know what i would do in this situation but you're right i want to come up with a plan because i will say that i tend to be when i mentioned that quote earlier about the wounds and the thorns uh i'm a person who can be easily taken in the moment by emotion and uh by by the very rightful feeling of how dare you try and block my path home how dare you attack my vehicle and get in my way um that's a very, I think that's that, the correct That's a righteous feeling. indignation, and there's nothing that's wrong with the feeling. There's, but there's a difference between the feeling and your personal safety. And my, my buddy, again, he's still, he's still texting me now. He says, they, I, I didn't thought of this either, but like this is why he's good at this, because he probably already has a plan for this exact situation. He, he says, they could exit the car, lock it, and walk away while calling the police. Okay. Yeah. They could do that. Um, but his overall advice is control your ego and de-escalate the situation, right? I mean, that's that's mostly what you want to do is de-escalate the situation. De- de-escalate, not escalate. Yeah, yeah. de-escalate. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I get that. I get that there's a battle, but the battle is not with those two women. women. Like, that's not, they are not the culture war, <laughs> right? Yeah. They're just two assholes, right? Who, who, if they go crazy, what if they have a gun, right? If they go crazy, they could hurt your pregnant wife and your unborn child. Like, that's you're in a very vulnerable situation going out with your pregnant wife. So your job is to protect her and your unborn child. That's your number one priority, not showing how much of a man you are or handling the situation yourself. It's protecting your unborn child and wife. That's your job. Um, and yeah. so, uh, you know, that needs to take precedence. We're not talking about a situation where you're in actual war, and you're going to have to confront them because there's, you know, the enemy lines right there. And, like, we're not there. We're not having that discussion. This, this is not a mob descending upon your house trying to hurt you. This is just two people outside of a Chipotle being assholes, right? Um, that's all it is. <sighs> Chipotle souls. Chipotle <Yeah>. souls. <laughs> uh, by the way, buddy who is listening, several people in chat are saying, please come on the show. So... I know I'm using peer pressure, and I apologize. 
<laughs> we, you're, He's going to be pissed at me. For this. <laughs> uh, we should probably wrap it up, you guys. Thank you for joining. Oh, wait, wait, it's wait, wait. Been, you ready to uh, wrap it up? It's two. It's been two hours. Well, I have to go to the bathroom. If you're going to do something else, I'll, you just start. I want to do one more thing because Maria okay. Tuscan asked about it, and she sent okay. me an article, and I told her I would respond. Okay. Uh, so uh, I can do it while you go to the... I can start while you go to the bathroom. I can... Think about the unity party while you go to the bathroom. All right. <sighs> okay, so... Um, <laughs> Sorry, my buddy's still texting me. I know it's kind of unprofessional during the show to be looking at his text, but uh, I am I am who I am. Okay, so uh, so Maria sent this to me. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Maria Tuscan is, how dare you? Uh, Maria is <laughs> a uh, a knitting legend. She was uh, the first person that we had on the show to discuss the the social justice knitting stuff. She's great. You know, Tuscan knits, you can go follow Maria. I don't think she's even in the chat today, which is unusual. But so uh, she sent me this and she asked what I thought about this. <clears throat> it's called the Articles of Unity. Now she says that Brett Weinstein was pushing this. I don't I don't know. I have all I've read about this is is from this medium post so i didn't i don't if there's more information about this movement i don't have it uh, but i read about this post it's called the articles of unity a patriotic plan to save our republic and it says imagine it's november 4th the morning after the election how will you feel if president trump turned to return to office Will you feel that your future is secure if vice president biden is elected will you feel that the nation is in capable hands now imagine instead, it, this is like the Twilight Zone. Now imagine instead that a courageous, competent pair of patriots take the stage, a team not beholden to any party, nor beset by conflicts of interest. <laughs> I think you should put the drugs down right away at this point in this article, but okay, fantasy land person writing. Imagine that, a team driven to build the future where our national... <laughs> I'm sorry, this is laughably dumb to me. A team driven to build a future where our national vision is clear, our plan is wise, and for the first time, every American is fully included. Okay, so here's what they're—I'm not going to read the whole article. Here's what their, out, uh, their outlook is. The problem, our government has been captured. People think the parties are corrupt. Yeah, okay, obviously. Uh, there's legislative stalemate. Nothing's getting done. Okay, fine. Uh, there's a cost to inaction. The solution is the unity party. Uh they're going to take candidates, center-right and center-left candidates that kind of co-rule. Uh, the candidates have to meet criteria. They must be patriotic, highly capable, courageous. I don't know how they vet those things. I don't know who vets them. I don't know even how they, who gets to decide what left and right is, but whatever. This is the plan. Uh, won't it be a spoiler? No, they explain why it won't be a spoiler. They say, look, most people are in the middle. Duh. Uh, so uh, and people don't care about media. That's fine. And the public's unhappy. The need for leadership has never been greater, yet the parties have never offered less. Okay, and 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 we and we should everyone, you know, ballot access, everyone needs to vote. We should remember who we are. We're all Americans and blah 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 blah. Okay. I, I really don't need to explain any more to, to rip this to shreds. Uh I think this is horrible and stupid. And uh here, I'll take it off the screen. <clears throat> Carrie's not back. I'll put Carrie back when she's when she's here. So uh, this, this approach, and I, again, 
Uh, Brett Epstein is brilliant on many levels. I just think this is a brain-dead plan. Uh, I think it is a basic bitch proposal to fix the nation, uh, for lack of a better term. This is rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, and, uh, and I'm going to explain why. There's a bunch of assumptions in here. Uh, first of all, uh, I mean, I don't even know where to start with the assumptions. Oh, Carrie's back. I'll bring Carrie. So, Carrie, I just read about the Unity Party, um, which was Bet Brett Weinstein's thing. So there's a bunch of assumptions. Uh, one of the assumptions here is, is that the parties are somehow very different and that gridlock is bad and blah, blah, blah. So... Um, First of all, the parties have never been very different, at least not recently. They're, they're not actually that different. Trump is different. Trump is different. Uh, but Trump's not a traditional Republican. Most Republicans hate Trump. Uh, the parties have not been very different. The Democrats are becoming different because they're being uh, converged upon by the radical social justice ideology. That's true. But the fundamental part, like the problem with our system is not that the parties are just different and we have divided ideologies. Um, and, and this... He's, fall, he's succumbing to the golden mean fallacy, among other fallacies. This idea that like, well, there's this extreme and that extreme, so therefore the middle must be best. Um, look, <laughs> at the founding of our nation, the argument was between these two groups of people, the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists. That's, that's what was going on at the founding of our nation. Those were the two parties. Do you know what the Overton window was, so to speak, back then? I don't think that term was around. But uh, you had the Federalists... Hamilton and that gang, they were they wanted us quote strong central government, but their idea of a strong central government, I mean, they didn't even want the Bill of Rights included, uh, because they thought enumerating the rights would imply that the rights you have that aren't enumerated uh, would be violated. So they were like, well, uh, by the way, if you ever you're interested in this, there's a great debate between Michael Malice and Tom Woods about uh, whether Alexander Ham Hamilton was a hero for the cause of liberty or not. But anyway. Uh, you know, the, the debate at that point, the extreme on one side was like basically very, very small federal government, just loose, loose coalition of states versus a, a stronger federal government. But even those people by today's standards were libertarian, right? <laughs> so that was the Overton window. That was the Overton window. We've gone so far to the left now that like the idea of like center right and center left and like that's somehow where morality sits and the right way to run our country is it's it totally lacks principle. It lacks any kind of principle about what's right or what's wrong and assumes that what's what people want is what's right and that the, the right thing to do is just compromise. Uh, the Ayn Rand quote comes to mind, any compromise between food and evil only or food and poison only death can win. Right there, there's you don't. It's not about compromise isn't a solution. That's a that's a weak answer to our problem, and it's completely lacks any kind of principle. What's wrong with our country is not fundamentally. It's not legal. It's cultural and philosophical. We don't pay attention to the Constitution anymore at all. So if you're going to be like, if culture is going to be massively broken, and your answer is to let more people vote and have a more direct democracy, I how is that going to fix anything? Especially in a, in a situation where we've got public schools churning out, like, zombie idiots. You're going to have them go, like, vote for stuff? How is, like, I, I, I'm, I'm really shocked that anyone intellectual would propose something as dumb as this. There's also this assumption that gridlock is bad. I love gridlock because, you know what? At least the government doesn't get worse. They sit around and do nothing. Doing nothing is better than anything they ever do. They never repeal <laughs> anything. They never go back to making the government more free. 
<laughs> like, yay, gridlock. More gridlock, please, because at least we're not going, we're not getting worse with gridlock. I'd like to repeal laws, but, you know, how the hell are we going to do that? There's also built in, there's this assumption also that uh, corruption isn't, like, endemic to power. Uh, there's this, like, there's this idea that, like, oh, corporate America has corrupted the government. No, 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 no. No one, like, corporate America is pragmatist. No one spends money on a politician if the return isn't higher than the cost. And why is the return higher than the cost? Because they have power. They have massive power to regulate. They can regulate you. They can regulate your entire industry. They can shut down your competitors. They can, they can move mountains through the use of force. The government has grown so giant and so bloated that... It's worth buying the government. If you're a bit, you kind of have to. If you're a publicly traded large company, you're kind of expected to have lobbyists and and get people to do it because the government's got their their fingers in everything. The, you can't say the problem is the corruption in America or corporate America. That's not the problem. The problem is the power. The money will always flow to the power because where there is power, someone wants to wield it for their own good, um, for their own ends, whether those are good ends or not. So if there's this weird assumption about this, there's the assumption that democracy and universal suffrage are some answer to anything at all. I mean, just read the founding documents, read what the founders were talking about. They were afraid of democracy. Democracy sucks, right? We, like the whole argument about individual rights in the <clears throat> constitutional republic was to protect rights from democracy. The tyranny of the majority is no better than King George. So like, this, this, the whole thing is just oddly anti-philosophical, um, and I'm, I'm actually quite disappointed. And, and the last thing, they have this thing in this article that's, remember who we are. No, no, recapture who we were, right? That's, we need the values and the beliefs. That's, we need to think like we used to. We, like, we're not- That's just semantics. It's not semantics. It is semantics. I think it is, because- Wait, just the last all, part or the whole thing? Yeah. What you just said, the difference between remember who we are. And oh, that's the last part. Remember who we are. Yeah. No, because that's, that's, I, I, cause there's this weird fallacy about like, we're Americans and we're unified together and that's who we are. Like that's, who we are is irrelevant. Any group of people on the world could, are, like has special characteristics and we actually have very little special characteristics because we're not even, we're like a melting pot. Like what mattered was what we thought and believed and the, the, the text under the remember who we are doesn't, I mean, I guess it would be semantics if then the, they backed it up with what I mean by remember who you are is remember the founding principles, but that's not what it says. It's just like, you know, we're regular people who want life to be good. It's, it's a bunch of platitudes and crap, and I'm sorely disappointed in it. So, all right, I'll, I'll shut up. I like it. Um, I think it is inspirational. <laughs> And I think that um, obviously Brett Weinstein would be pushing this and supporting this based on, I think it was his recent interview with Joe Rogan that I heard where he talked about this, about drafting a candidate from the center right and a candidate from the center left and forming this new party. I like it for a couple reasons. Um, I'm not saying it's without problems. I'm just saying I, in general, I like it um, because it is. Well, let's get to the, your last point. We'll start there. You gave well, a, that's you the weakest point. point. I probably should. I should. I'll just skip no. it if you want. I don't care. Well, no. I, I let me. My brain doesn't. I have you. You just said a lot of things. Let me Sorry. go where my brain is right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
remember who we are versus remember where we came from. I think the reason I say that semantics is because the person writing this believes, I think falsely, that we all still share fundamental principles and that we all still agree on our founding principles of individualism and free speech and a marketplace of ideas and discourse and debate. I unfortunately don't agree with this person that we all still share that. I think that my old ideology, right. which which opposes those things, has become so dominant culturally that there are a large portion of people now, I don't know the numbers, but I know at least in terms of the power they wield, it's a it's very influential group of people who now believe in collectivism, not individualism, who believe in censorship, not free speech, who believe in violence and the use of force, um, who do not believe in equality, they believe in equity. Um, that so so th- I think that this person gets that wrong, in the same way that this book, you've we've had this same discussion before because we talked about this book I mentioned a lot, Love Your Enemies by Arthur Brooks. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good book, except except. He's he's kind of saying the same thing. He's he's but he's he's just like this person. He's operating from a flawed premise that most of us still believe and agree on this shared philosophy of individualism and we don't. So that's one place I guess I agree with you. Um but Well, I mean uh, that's the most important the the the, the right. fundamental premises are the most important part because otherwise this is a distraction. This is a we can rearrange some crap with how we elect people and ignore the fact that we have we are culturally corrupt we have a rotted center as a culture we've lost our complete appreciation for the values of individualism and the the pillars of the enlightenment and somehow the answer to this is magic compromise between lame people on one side and lame people on the other like let's take both zombie parties and compromise between them it's not going to work. It's just a distraction. And and well, I, I where those parties are right now is has moved so far to the left from where they used to be. Like, I, what's the definition of left and right? Who can well, decide? I think, but what, what do you, one thing I like about it is that it, it is a vision for, I do think it's an idealistic vision. And I, I shouldn't, I don't think it will be successful. Unfortunately, I don't mean to poo it. It doesn't mean I won't support it. If I, I want to read through all of it, I was just trying to catch up reading it. Sure, sorry. But um, one thing I like about it is that it is, I'm tired of the two party system. It doesn't benefit us. And oh, I'm, know, ti- I'm tired of that this, too, by the way. I agree with that. Right. And this person is right when they say that both parties have, um, have, have, uh, what's the, exploited the polarization, you know, and I don't really see, I don't know if they get into it in this piece or not, but I don't really see that big of a difference between the two parties anymore. Other than that, the democratic party is fully converged upon by social justice ideology and the Republican party is only partially so. Right. And, and that's a recent thing though. They used to be a lot closer than they were. The Dems have kind of radicalized very recently, yeah. I think very recently. Um, yeah. Yeah. But but again, this is not. Uh, you're putting the cart before. I, I think they're putting the cart before the horse here. They're like, oh, we like we need to get like. The problem with our country is not that we don't have compromise in the middle. That's called the golden mean fallacy. That's not the problem. The problem is right. that ninety percent of the people 
are way too far on the authoritarian side. They don't, they've forgotten the principles of individualism. That's the problem. That the problem is that the individualism is gone as a pillar. It's gone as part of our society. Fundamentally, at least the, maybe people feel it, but the, the, the capability for defending it, um, the, the intellectual tools necessary to defend individualism on principle, even caring about principle is gone. And like countries don't, you can't save this country through pragmatism. You need to save this country through values and principles and shifting the culture. And if like, I don't like the two party system either. And if I believed that there was a an in like an individualist party that could rise and take over, I would support it. But it would be a party of one. Right. Well, no, there's some people in chat would join me. <laughs> no, but, my joke is it's how do you get individuals to come together? I, yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah. But I, that's that's my fundamental problem with this is it's this it's a waste of time. And and it, and it assumes that democracy is good. It's just like oh, we all, all if we can all just vote and agree like. Democracy is evil. Democracy is tyranny. It's the tyranny of 51% against 49%. Like the, the entire point of this country was that we needed to something to protect us against democracy. That, that was the point, right? We, we recognized we needed to have some kind of, we couldn't have a king. We couldn't believe in you know, benevolent dictatorship wasn't going to work. We had to have some way of people voting on something and being involved in the government, but we needed constraints. Um, and, and this, this is not based on the idea that there are need to be any constraints on government, that all there need to be, this is the European model of like, just let everyone vote and whatever is in the middle, that's, that's what we want. The middle ground is the best. And that middle ground, by the way, ha has been pushed farther and farther. My lifetime, that middle ground has moved to the left dramatically, dramatically. And that's just a few decades. For the last 100, 200 years, that middle ground has moved fantastically to the left. It's, it's unrecognizable that this would even be the case, uh, like so, where we are culturally. And it's going to continue to move. And it brings, it means that middle ground is out of our control. That is controlled by culture and philosophy and the media and institutions like educational institutions. It's out of our control. So why is the middle ground the ideal that we're going for? I don't think that, I think it depends on how you're de defining middle ground. And I'm not by his definition. I, I think, well, I think what this person is saying is uh, what I say quite frequently. And I want to address something Amara just said in the chat. She says, so my idea of coming together to find a common ground solution is bad. No, I don't agree. Carter might, but I don't agree. I think the idea of coming together is good. Here's the way I look at it. And this is what I think this person might be saying. Again, I haven't read the whole thing yet. I was trying to catch up with it. Um, the, the authoritarian right and left are basically these polar extremes. The problem is that the authoritarian left has had so much mainstream influence and holds so much cultural power and is currently our dominant, has become our dominant culture in the past month. Like that's how fast things have changed. This has become that dominant. Every corporation's speaking it, all the schools are speaking it. I mean, um, so it has pulled what Carter's talking about. I agree with you, Carter, about the Overton window. It's been pulled towards the authoritarian left and it's pulled everything along with it in that direction. Um, but I still believe that those of us in the middle, for lack of a better word, those of us who don't fit into either of those extremes, 
make up the majority of people. It's just that most, a lot of us are, that's why they call it the silent majority. A lot of us are scared. A lot of the liberals especially are scared. And I think that group of people is made up of all types of people with all types of political beliefs. Some who would, I would call liberals, classical liberals, others libertarians, others conservatives, others. And I don't think any of the differences between the liberals and the conservatives, I don't think any of those differences matter as, as much as the fact that none of us are authoritarians. And, and so I do think it's a good idea to try for all of us to try and come together and find I, a solution. So I think you would have to, you would have to change, you would have to successfully change the conversation between one of authoritarianism versus uh, freedom. Like that would be the, right. you'd have to shift the political scale. And if you well, can shift, if you can, if you can shift it to an orthogonal scale, then then you can have political parties that are aligned that way. Um, but this does not do that. Uh, this is based on, so again, I, I, you know, are a lot of people in the middle individualists and anti-authoritarians? I don't know. I think most people in the middle haven't thought about it in terms of principle. And my argument is the fundamental problem, and I don't know that it's solvable very easily. It's certainly not super easy to solve, and it's certainly not solvable through political machinations. But the, the fundamental problem is we're not having the right conversation. The way to get those people to, together, the way that you and I, who have differing political ideologies, the, the, the ideas, I won't say ideologies, the way that you and I connect is through shared fundamental principles that's a like oh hey should we have the freedom of speech like yes that's important our individual yes. rights important yes that's an those are important okay like fine if 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 the party is about that uh you don't need this left right blah 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 thing where we just compromise in the middle because by the way not everyone that's slightly center right agrees with that and not everyone that's slightly center left agrees with that the fundamental thing to tease out here is who wants individualism and who wants authoritarianism generally. Put that on the scale. and But then you do have to make a cultural shift towards invigorating and, well, I'll say arming, the intellectually arming the individualist camp. Um, and we just haven't done that. So I, that's why, like, this is a... That's why I'm I'm negative on this because it's a distraction. It's a distraction. It's uh, when people are like, "Oh, are you saying that coming together and, and talking is a bad idea?" Like, I'm saying that that coming together is a platitude that's not actually going to solve anything. That coming together isn't the solution. That you need to have the right conversation. You need to recognize how we got here. We didn't get here because we stopped coming together. We got here because we stopped talking about the right things. We stopped. We stopped having conversations about what the role of government should be and individualism and, and, and individual rights, we stopped having that conversation. And we started having a conversation that was very pragmatic. I want this set of things. I want that set of things. Let's compromise in the middle and have each, we'll each have a little bit of our set of things. That's not principled and it won't survive. It won't. So that's what I'm saying. But, but I think this again is just a difference of terminology maybe in, in what we're talking about because, and I'm not alone. There are some people in chat who are saying, but we need dreams, Carter, and we need a vision. And we need, yeah, of course what you need you dreams saying, and vision. Yeah, just right, not this what you're saying sounds defeatist to me. And no. I know that's not what you mean, but it comes off that way because I think, I think we're, we're using different terms for things. 
I absolutely believe in coming together. And I think there's more of us than there are of them currently. And right, <laughs> right. But the way to come together is to say what you've been saying and what, and what I've been saying, which is like, hey, these are the pillars upon which Western civilization was built. Raise your hand if you agree with these pillars. You can disagree yes. with some of the other stuff, but if you agree with these pillars, raise your hand. Okay, I don't care where you're from on the political spectrum. Raise your hand. Okay, that's the party that we need to have empowered. Done. Like, it's not this kind of like, we need to pick these people and vote on this and have they share the power this way. And we just, if more people would just vote, that would be better. It's not that at all. It's, can we, can we offer a place where the principles of the party are identified correctly as the founding principles of the country? And will people abandon the Democrats and Republicans to flee to a place that says, hey, we, we believe in individual rights fundamentally. We believe in the, the principles of the Enlightenment. That's it. That's our platform, right? We, that's the direction we want to move. Like, and, you know, I know it might sound a little de defeatist to some people, and the truth is, I am a little defeatist on whether this system can be saved in America as, like, that's just the truth. It's just why, like, sometimes people are like, run for office. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't, I think that the torch for freedom can survive. I think it can survive only in communities like this. I think it can survive only among people who care about individual uh, rights and individualism generally. I think that is the people in this community, regardless of how much they may disagree with me on issues. In general, that is true. Um, and that's where the torch of freedom will survive. But it doesn't mean it's going to survive from the Pacific to Atlantic Ocean all in one big uniform glob. Like, that might not be true. And it's becoming increasingly apparent that it's very unlikely that that's going to be true. So, um, I'm not saying you shouldn't fight on that level, but if you're going to fight on that level, Fight for principles. Don't fight for like we need. We need a new. We need some new like political tools to compromise with people. Like that's not going to get you where you want to go. That's not going to get you there because they're just moving. That Overton window is just shifting and shifting and shifting and shifting. And so you know that compromise is going to be like what flavor? Eventually, in twenty years, a compromise like that is going to be which flavor of social justice do you want? That's the compromise, right? That's what that becomes. But principles need to brought, be brought into this. This country was not founded on, here's a pragmatic way to do things, principles be damned. And it won't survive with, here's a pragmatic solution, principles be damned. That's what I'm saying. And maybe sometimes people think that's Well, what depressing. I, I, I think this article is inspiring, and I like it better than what you've said. <laughs> okay, I'm joking. It's not an argument. I it's like, an emotional response. No, I know. Well, Guess what? You got to talk to people's emotions. Well, you uh, parse the I'll article and come up with an emotional argument for me. That will be my request. <laughs> okay. yeah. uh, and I think I think I don't think that we're from. I'm trying to find the article again now. Ninja posted the link in the comments, but uh, could could you send it to me? Oh, the so medium article. Yeah. Uh, I can post yeah. it. In, oh, I can post it in the comments again. Did Ninja posted it? Yeah, but I lost it. Too right, many well, here, I'll, I'll put it here again. There's too many chats. Thank you for the chats, guys. Yeah, I, <laughs> look, I, I'm not, I, I'm trying to be, maybe this will piss some people off. Oh, no. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> okay. My number one, like, if we just talk about political goals, my number one political goal is to have some place in the world that retains freedom and individualism. Some place. That's number one. Number two, preferably it's the United States. Preferably it's the whole United States. But that's less important than that it exists somewhere, right? And so 
I, you know, I don't know if it can be the whole United States, but I do know that the only way it will survive is if the defenders of it are standing on principle, not standing on pragmatic compromise between people. Because compromise between a communist and an individualist is death. Because you, you give up a little bit of your individualism, you do a little bit of communism, the next generation gets raised to be indoctrinated by communists, and now you're compromising again. It's like uh, if you go halfway to a wall every time, eventually you're going to hit the wall. I mean, actually, in theoretical physics, you never hit the wall, but whatever. Eventually, we all know, you try it, you'll bump into the wall, right? So that's, that's what I'm saying, and, and I want this to be a principled like, if someone wants to have a new party and try and save the entire United States, that's fine. But that party needs to be pretty explicit about the principles it's supporting. It can't be like, hey, everyone, the solution is just, like, we need to change some rules and have some compromise between, you know, this side and that side. Like, that's well, that's not a solution. Piece, in the remembering who we are section, this gets to the heart of it. I think that, like I said, this person is... Uh, get something wrong here when they assume that we all agree on the founding principles, which is why they don't enumerate those principles because they think we already all agree on them, but they do allude to it. They say, um, we are, we, the people are Americans. We are ordinary citizens from all walks of life. This is the part that's kind of fluff. We're ordinary citizens from all walks of life and backgrounds. We're brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, friends, neighbors, and colleagues from across the political spectrum. We are patriots. That's inspirational, though, Carter. That appeals to people emotionally. I'm not that's saying why it's this isn't emotionally right. appealing. I'm saying it's intellectually right. garbage. Okay, I'm just... It's it's not all of it. It's not garbage. Hold on. The United States is the most proper prosperous democracy in the world, despite flaws at our founding. Hold See, on, hold on. It's not. It's not a democracy. I know. Dark episodes in our history and transgressions against many of our own, our founding principles have stood as a singular beacon of liberty for open minds across the world. See, that's where they're alluding to the shared principles, but they're not right. enumerating them because whoever wrote this doesn't realize where we're at and they don't realize they need to enumerate it and say, we believe in individual liberty and free speech. Right. So, so maybe... Yeah, maybe this is a bad idea because they have uh, rose-colored glasses on about where we are culturally. Yes, they are. <laughs> but it doesn't make it a good idea. It, it's not like I'm not going to say, well, I excuse that part. Uh, like, yes, if we were in a different world, this might be a good idea. But we're not in a different world, and people don't agree with you that we well, don't have shared. If, if you could correct that misconception this person has, they could rewrite this to make it more powerful and something that you even you might support no you because because the, because the answer is to the answer is to explicitly defend and recognize those principles not to try and fix it through some kind of like like oh we need to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that and have this system like it's not a it's not a this isn't an architectural problem if you don't recognize that this is a philosophical problem you won't win you just won't. You won't survive. If you don't recognize that this is a philosophical problem that needs to be fixed philosophically and culturally first, no amount of political turning levers and dials is going to change anything. None. It won't work. And this is, this is why we say politics is downstream of culture and culture is downstream of philosophy. This, this person is ignoring the cultural and philosophic rot in this country and saying, hey, let's change some politics over here. It'll work. No. No, it won't work. It won't work. And it's not, I, to me, it's disappointing, not inspiring. Inspiring would be, hey, we need, I think 
these are the founding principles. We should all support these founding principles. Many of us actually do on both sides of the aisle. Let's let's have that. Let's make a, let's have a movement that does that. That's right? what and we I'm can saying. Have Brett Weinstein could come in and people that. on the right. Right. This could be that if the person corrected their misconceptions about where we're at. That's all. Well, I think if they if they corrected those misconceptions, they wouldn't bother trying to do like, oh, it should have two different representatives and we flip a coin and blah, blah, blah. Like all that stuff wouldn't matter as much anymore. <laughs> like mm -hmm. this person's obsessed with compromise as co as if compromise is some sort of principled stance. It's it's a compromise is just a fallacy, the golden mean fallacy. It's a tactical and it's not, stance. It's huh? a tactical stance. It's a tactical stance. Right. It's unprincipled. Right. It's just but pragmatic. Have, it's just it's just pragmatic. It's pragmatic. Right. And it's yeah. and it's and without principles, I don't know what the right pragmatic approach is. If you've got the right principles, I don't know what the right tactics are. Right. But I know what the right principles are. Because I all you have to do is read founding documents. Like they've been written down. We know what the right principles are. Tactically, fine. I think we could disagree on lots of tactical things. I don't know what the tactical solution would be, but I I I'm, I'm damn sure that if you don't have the right principles, it doesn't matter what your tactics are. That's my point. Let's do some super chats. Uh, okay, yeah, sorry. Let's do some super chats. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if we... So Ian Burns says, how do you fix culture? So this is why, by the way, this is why I'm coming across as negative. Fixing culture takes time, right? Um, one of the worst things we did in this country was, I mean, actually from the founding, even before the founding, the government was a little bit involved in education, but it wasn't until 1920 that education became compulsory throughout the country. Like, we've raised generation after generation of people who argue like the guy that argued with Carrie on Facebook. Like, those are the people that we've raised. And, like, asking a question of, like, how do we get a bunch of idiots to not behave like idiots when they vote is a dumb question. <laughs> you can't. Right? It's like, if, if everyone in the country only spoke Japanese and you were like, how do we get everyone to, to uh, how do we get everyone to start reading books in English? Well... You don't. You, you, you start teaching English in schools, I guess. Like, like, you can't just do that. It doesn't work. You've got people who will never accept the principles of our, our nation's founding. And, and there's a lot of them. It, I don't think it's the majority, but there's a lot right now. All right, Super Chats. Tax Tara. Uh, ladies, go places with your man. This will protect you from other women uh, from starting crap with you. I think she's referring to the Chipotle incident and that we talked about that should be true but your man needs a plan and but yes uh i think tax terrorist man would have a plan uh <laughs> david sumner thank you david sumner he says oh thank he didn't you, say anything. He just gives us 10 bucks thank you david uh let's see i guess i'm gonna i'm like gonna piss off our audience week i don't know why let me read some of these. What's the next one you're putting up? Uh, I, I got to find it. Okay. I got to find it. I'll, I'll put it up. You can read it when I put it up. I'll, I'll, uh, just, I just got to find it. I got to scroll. There's, I like that chats are... I like that our chats are very um, voluminous now. But it does make... Okay, I think this is the next one. It's the from We Smoke Bitcoins. Did you see this one, Carrie? No, you read that one. Uh, it's just 25 bucks and it says great show today. Thank you. We smoke bitcoins. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, although, although we smoke that they said that he or she said that, uh, before I pissed a bunch of people off. So maybe now he's going to give a negative $25 super chat and take it back. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Keith, the hack guy. Thank you, Keith. 
Uh, legislative inaction. The author hates is the best case scenario now. Party sports gridlock is preferred to Congress doing something. Right. So that's the other thing. They're like, <laughs> which I, I did touch on. Uh, gridlock is preferable to moving forward, given the fact that people's idea of moving forward is expanding the government and passing more laws. Uh, many of us would prefer gridlock. I, by the way, went back when I voted regularly. I intentionally voted for gridlock. I was I would vote for whatever party I thought would stop the other party from doing what was ever going on. I was like gridlock, because both of you suck and you're going to do bad things. So if you could just not do anything, my life will be better. Um. <laughs> Gary's laughing. Thank you, Keith. Keith says, damn it, Carter, your mind is fast. I, I, am, I realize I'm talking like the Micro Machines guy sometimes, and I apologize for that. I'll try and slow down my speech. And I get tripped up in my speech because I get so excited. I go really quickly, and then I, like, fire hose stuff. And, yeah, people can't respond. It's not intentional. I'm just very passionate. Okay. Thank you, Kim. Kim says, I appreciate all of you. Let, uh, let's speak up, prepare, and be strong. Yeah, I agree, Kim. Good advice. Speak up, prepare, be strong. Those are three, uh, three great. That's a great model. Let's put it that way. Oh, I'm going to read the next you one. Want to do Keith's? You got Keith's? Keith the Hack Guy. Thank you, Keith. He says he has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. Thomas Jefferson from the Declaration of Independence. What's that a reference to? I haven't heard that before. Oh, so that, that is in the De Declaration of Independence. It's Keith's favorite line in the Declaration of Independence uh, because he's talking about what the king has done and why they are uh, declaring their independence. And Thomas Jefferson is writing, this king, the king has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance, uh, which is just a nice poetic <laughs> Sounds pretty thing. It's in the, uh, it's in the Declaration. You want to do the next one? Why bother? Thank you, why bother? He says, or he or she says, oh man, I hate equality, equity, bait and switch. So do I. Actually, that guy that we were, we showed the screenshots from earlier who was um, trying to argue with me uh, later on asked me, you know, do you believe in equality and equity? I'm like, mm, I do believe in equality. I do not believe in equity for very good reason. Uh, there's a great short story I recommended to him that I doubt he will read, but if you guys... Some of you I know are already familiar with it. Kurt Vonnegut wrote a short story called Harrison Bergeron, which it's not a long read. You can find it online. You don't even have to buy it. Find it online. Look for Harrison Bergeron. And it's a story about equity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's even, even my daughter, who's 11, she loves it. Like it's even, you know, it's not like totally inappropriate or anything. Like kid, kids will love it and get it. And it's short. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, Carrie, you want to do the next you, one Judge, from Judge Lott? Thank you, Judge Lott. He says, I don't like this idea at all. Center-right is neoconservatism. Center-left is neoliberalism. Both are absolutely terrible. That's kind of what Carter's point was. Right? No, no, no argument there, Judge. <laughs> next one, so, Carrie. So, Emily Wooten. Thank you, Emily. Emily says, I wish I could send more. I love you guys. Great stream. Emily, thank you. Anything you send us is appreciated and amazing. You don't, it, Like, if 100 people give a dollar that's a hundred dollars you know what i mean it's awesome we were able to just so you guys know um anybody who's new uh, what we've been able to do with um money so far that anyone's anybody who's supported the show is we were able to get me a new laptop so we still have tech problems but not as many as we have before and uh yeah so thank you very much it was very useful and we have other plans for the future so we do uh including and eventually can... carrie can quit her day job 
Uh, so Eventually. if you love Carrie, <laughs> you want <laughs> Carrie do, around. Yeah. We can right. do um, sketch videos, which I want to do eventially too. Um, yep. Next one's Loquacious uh, Primate. You got that one, Carrie? Loquacious Primate. Uh, you read that one. I don't have that one. Thank you, Loquacious Primate. I love the name Loquacious Primate. I, every time I see this person in chat, I'm like, it's an awesome name. Uh, I know that your focus is on America, but there aren't but there are people in many other countries reckoning with the same concerns and undertaking similar analysis. So is that focus tactical and pragmatic or ideological? It's tactical and pragmatic. And so one of the things that has been great about America historically is um, because it was viewed uh, correctly as this beacon of liberty and individual freedom where anything was possible, we would get the best people from around the world that would want to move here. Like the entrepreneurs who are like, you know, I just... I need to break from my chains and go to America and I'm going to make it. And you get like, that's why you have so many brilliant immigrants who've just done amazing things. So they've, they've been the best of the best. Like it, in fact, it's a problem for other countries because they get a brain drain, right? Like when people can leave, they go to the U S and like the best people end up leaving and yes. coming to the United States. So, um, absolutely. There are people around the world. The problem is, uh, I think that this not problem, but the tactical analysis is, I still think that the United States has the by far the highest concentration of those people. And we have First and Second Amendment rights. Yes, they're being infringed often, but they're at least codified and we've got more than anyone else. So if it's going to survive somewhere, uh, both the numbers and the tools are here. So I would say if you're one of these like-minded people from around the country or around the world, um, still come to America. Come to America and, uh, you know, just don't go to a bastion of liberalism <laughs> find some of these i i say liberalism i leftism i mean uh come to one of these you know come to a place that is prepared to keep the torch of freedom uh lit and uh and survive so by the way loquacious primate if i am not mistaken you mentioned me on the nerdrotic show uh which some people informed us of here and i went and checked it out my friend actually who's a super um star trek fan told me about it and uh, and i just heard back from nerdrotic they're gonna have me on the show which is exciting oh, so awesome. thank you for that yeah thank you for telling them about us yeah do you want to do the next one carrie why bother says in my opinion carter has very good ideas but he's pushing too harshly uh, that's the elephant rider thing and also just my passion i'm just it is yeah. your passion i'll yeah sometimes i'm just trying to soften you out a little I know. I look. I know. When we first started the show, um, actually, Carrie, I don't even know if you know this. Uh, I was wanting. To, I was wanting to invite you to be part of Unsafe Space. Like, I'm like, I really. I, I think I need. I think I need <laughs> Carrie. Um, I wasn't sure, and I talked to my friend, and he had heard like one interview with you because we had done the we had done that first show, the chat with former oh, yeah. SJW, right? Um, and he was like, his exact words were. You need your edges softened, and she can soften your edges. And I was like, okay, great. Like, that's, <laughs> like, yeah. So I'm aware that I, uh, I wear, I'm aware that I have hard edges, and uh, I well, appreciate, I appreciate Carrie softening my edges, and I thank you guys for putting up with my hard edges. You got to remember, I've been, uh, I've had these beliefs for 25 years. I've been frustrated for 25 years. I've watched this country go this way for 25 years. I've been thinking about this stuff from a philosophic principled perspective for 25 years at least. And so um, I'm not just waking up and realizing there's racism all around us. I'm like, 
yeah, this has been a problem for a long time, and I'm super happy that people are are coming along. But I'm I I'm trying to I'm trying to push you to be really thinking in the best way I can say it. The easiest way to say it is really switching orthogonally switching that mindset politically and thinking like, oh, it's authoritarianism and individualism. That's the argument that needs to be had. That's always the argument that's needed to be had. This left and right crap has been bullshit forever, and the argument we should be having is authoritarianism and individualism. That's the argument. And yeah. um, and I know I can get harsh about it. Okay. Uh, do you want to do the next one or you want me to? Oh, I missed the next one. Where was it? Cecil Charles. I'll, I'll just do it. Cecil Charles official okay. says, uh, thank you, Cecil, by the way. Cecil says, worst case, Unity 2020 showcases uh, Brett Weinstein and Evergreen documentary. documentary. Uh, talk is cheap, but seeing people become zombies is horrifying. It'll change minds. That's a point I yeah. had not thought of, Cecil, and that's a yeah. great point. Um, I would love anything that propels Brett Weinstein and the entire Evergreen situation into the zeitgeist. Uh, so that's a great point. I hadn't thought of that. There, there's cultural value in having Brett Weinstein have some uh, visibility it's, there. Uh, it's Weinstein, just Weinstein, so you sorry. know. Um, only because I don't like that Harvey Weinstein, that that gross monster. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I, I alternate. Sometimes I remember it's Weinstein, yeah. and then sometimes I don't. I like, like Einstein. Yeah. Um, Next Joe one. Josie. Thank you, Josie. Joe says, I love you guys. Just discovered you. Do you have any suggestions for helping to ease family members out of the cult, SJW cult? Joe, we talked about this earlier in this episode, but it's been a long episode. It's been almost three hours now. Um, I read something. If you have time, go back and watch about 20 minutes in, I think is where we start talking about it. Maybe, um, there's, there's a, an adult child. I, I've started to call him a kid. He's in his late twenties. This guy who was woke, who sent me a message about what his father did and how his father showed him unconditional love and challenged him and disagreed with him and provided him with facts, but always made him feel welcome to share his opinions and pulled things out of him, asked him to share his opinions, showed that he was open. And I do think that that is what is needed. Um, I don't know of a lot of resources yet for parents who are dealing with this, but um, some people suggested some in the chat. Helen Pluckrose has um, a discuss server that she set up for people to talk about these things. We have parents who are in our unspace, unsafe space telegram chat who are talking about it. Um, and I would like to see someone, I think someone's going to come forward soon, hopefully with like a very explicit resources for parents who are dealing with this. But I definitely think you can't, you can't push too hard because you will make people defensive. Um, but you don't, you don't want to be silent. You do want to challenge them. You do want to tell them what you think they're factually wrong. Just try and do it from a place of love and acceptance, which is hard. It's easier said than done. It's a hard thing to do, I think. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, that message from that guy was very inspiring about what brought him out of it and how his dad. And he was like, even if I hadn't left the SJW cult, I think my dad would still be treating me with love and modeling his beliefs. That's the thing is a lot of us forget that we should be modeling our beliefs. I shouldn't have to tell you what I believe. You should be able to see what I believe based on how I treat you, you know, yep. so. Yep. Well, I think I think that's it for the super chats, Carrie. Um, I'm going to make one final comment because it was a conversation in chat, and it's a distinction that I probably should have made a while ago, but uh, I haven't I haven't drawn the distinction. And 
It's just a vocabulary I want to introduce to you. You don't have to use it this way, but this is how I like to use it. A lot of people um, will say, well, collectivism is important. Like, individuals are important, but also we have to be a collective and work collectively together and blah, blah, blah. Um, I use collectivism from a philosophical sense to mean the supremacy of the collective over the individual. When we're talking about people working together as a community, that's cooperation. Cooperation is what individuals do. Collectivism is what anti-individuals do. Collectivism is what groups do, what tribes do, what the Soviet Union does. That's collectivism. What you're talking about is cooperation. Cooperation is absolutely essential for our thriving on the planet. We are a social species. Cooperation is beautiful, wonderful, and everyone should do it. Cooperation requires individuals who are respected and can voluntarily agree to cooperate with each other and not do so at the, at, at, through force, right? So collectivism is, there's not a good, in my view, I don't, I don't say there's like a good version of collectivism. No, collectivism is evil. The good version you're talking about is called cooperation. That's the difference yeah. between those two. You know what we should do when we have enough uh, funding? We should do, remember, um, remember like a, I'm just a bill and I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Remember <laughs> I love Rock? that, yeah, yeah. Okay, we should do an updated version of Schoolhouse Rocks, but it should be you singing and talking about cooperation is, and you give all the, all the, the differences You know, you don't want me singing. I've, I sung once on this show. Uh, you don't want me singing. My, my, it's pretty I bad. Want you, I want you singing. Uh, I did, by the way, for the new people, I did do a horrible rendition of an LCD sound system song where I changed the lyrics called YouTube, I Love You. Uh, and you can listen to that and... If you really want to think poorly of me and make me feel bad, listen. To, just tell me you listen to it, and I will be humiliated just knowing that it's you a really to good it. song. Actually, go listen to it. <laughs> the song, the song is the actual original song is no, good. No, I like you, the way you sang it. I think no, it's really good. Yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, one more super chat. Thank you, uh, Marie. Marie says, uh, "Thank you for the show. You are making me think so much about how I should raise my kids to really think and how to model and teach this." Um, appreciate it, Marie. You know, one thing that's close to my heart that I haven't had no time to do, but maybe someday we will, uh, and maybe we can get some people in the community involved. I want to talk about parenting at some point and, and child rearing generally because, uh, look, the, you want an inspirational answer to all of this? It's your kids. You want to help? You, the best thing you can do, raise, raise kids who have critical minds and can think. That's it. Raise kids. Like, we need, we need future generations to solve this problem. Um, so, uh, oh wait, we have one more. Why bother doesn't want us to leave. Uh, why bother, why bother said, thank you, why bother. I am so on board with collectivism statement. Okay, good, I'm glad that was clarifying, so. All right, everyone, thank you. Have a great 4th of July. Um, cook hot dogs and hamburgers, or if you're a vegetarian, um, what do vegetarians eat? Vegetables over, I don't know. Uh, Tofurkey. Tofurkey. And, uh, oh, and, uh, I used to think that, uh, uh, oh gosh, Snoop Dogg should come up with a, a fake hot dog called, um, Forizo. Okay. So Ch eat your like Forizo. No, Chorizo. Forizo. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, or, or do some barbecue, like barbecue, some, uh, I don't know, do something, have a good 4th of July. Um, if you can be a pyromaniac a little bit and not burn down your neighborhood, go ahead and do that and, uh, go shooting if you can go shooting, um, and read something. If you can read the Declaration of Independence, read the Declaration of Independence. Keith says, uh, Constitution and Declaration will take you less than an hour. So, 
Um, I'm going to try. Thank you, everyone. Oh, oh one, thank one you, more super chat. I'm, I, I'm not sad about the super one. chat, but uh, it's from Loquacious Primate, so we'll we'll he read says, it. He or she says, so happy you were able to connect to Gary and being on the Nerdrotic channel, probably on Friday Night Tights. He's an awesome guy. Yes. Cool. And thank you again for suggesting us. All right. Well, I, I know I did say pyromaniac. I just like fire and explosives. I just mean like, you know, safely and in a fun way. Someone's asking about my pyromaniac comment. So anyway, have a great weekend. Happy Independence Bye, Day. Thank you. And, Happy Independence uh, Day. We'll see you on Monday. Have fun. Bye, Carter. Bye. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please avoid any contact with these individuals. I have calculated a 97.8% chance that these are all rushing bots. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. It is courageous and honorable to repeat the talking points of corporate media. You are so brave. That last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake. <laughs>